You are listening to Viva and Barnes Law for the People, an American and Canadian lawyer breaking down the latest in the legal world in terms everyone can understand. Enjoy the podcast. Once bitten, twice shy, 15 times bitten, traumatized. Is my audio good before I continue? Uh, am I am I live? I, I accidentally seem to have gone live by accident on YouTube this morning. Uh, let me know. If, let me know if I'm live. <laughs> cross shot. My wife's like, you realize that's your that's your cross. I'm going to get into this in a second. Right after I feel assured, audio's good. This is the good mic. It is Sunday night, and you're listening to your law talking lawyer guy, Viva Fry. We're live. Audio's good. Um, that was, that was one of my, um, final straw experiences in Canada. This is from a while back people. I mean, recently, but, um, not last week, not last month. This is from several months ago, um, where I had gone, I had crossed the border with my unvaccinated, dirty, unvaccinated second-class citizen of a 12-year-old daughter at the time. Um, I had crossed the border for 72 hours at, at most. And when we came back, had to download the Arrive Can. And I, I'll, I'll tell you this. Uh, for the people saying, Viva, you knew the rules, you crossed and you took your chances and you're lucky you didn't get a fine. First thing I'll say is this. Uh, I, I was going to say, I was going to swear. I'm not going to. You knew the rules and you got what you deserved. Awesome. Now do, uh, you know, elderly people wearing shawls. That's what you get for wearing such tight little shawls. If anybody gets the Simpsons reference, congratulations. Um, you knew the rules and you did it anyhow. There would be some merit to that if the rules were not uh, child abuse. Second thing, I knew the rules. And on the ArriveCan app, for anybody who has ever had the displeasure of downloading it, there's a section that speaks to exemptions of minor children crossing the border with vaccinated adults. And uh, in the exemption section of the ArriveCan app, is a section talking about COVID infection within the last, it was either 180 days or 90 days. I think it was 180 days. There was an exemption in the ArriveCan app. We had been infected uh, within the relevant, under the ArriveCan app, exemption period, as detailed in that. We, I, still, I, still, I still downloaded that damn app. I still filled out all of the information, scanned our passports, gave it to the government, told them my child's medical status. Um, and we cross the border, answer all the questions, and that's it. We go home. I get a call five days later or six days later, this call. I get this call six days later. Someone telling me that I'm required by law, to compel my 12-year-old kid to be in at least 14 days of quarantine, not because she's sick, not because she's symptomatic, not because she tested positive, because we took the tests on both ends of this trip, but because she's unvaccinated. 
We took a, a test prior to leaving, negative. Prior to returning, negative. Fit the exemption for prior infection within 180 days of a 12-year-old kid. I get a call five days upon arrival, upon, five days upon return from the government telling me that I have to quarantine a healthy 12-year-old kid simply because she's unvaccinated. And then I ask, you know, the question that any lawyer would ask, any reasonable person, and maybe even any person. And I shouldn't say reasonable because a lot of people would not ask this question because they feel scared, as did I, because they feel pressured and bullied, as did I, and because they don't want to start a fight, as I did not want to do. What provision of law Madam Clerk on the phone telling me I've got to lock my 12-year-old healthy kid up because she's because of her medical status. What provision of law are you referring? What provision of law compels me, requires me to perform what is nothing shy of child abuse? Because it, it comes from the government, doesn't make it not child abuse. What provision of law compels me to impose this government-imposed child abuse on my own kid? And we're going to walk through this one more time because there's some interesting things in it. Sir, other than, other than the repetitive use of the term sir, which is the last resort to, I don't know, and I'm gonna use your name as though you're the a-hole for making me explain what it is we're telling you to do. Let's, let's start here. I am the I've read the Quarantine Act, people. They can designate quarantine officers to uh, carry out inspections when they suspect there might be an issue to carry out certain, this is under the Quarantine Act itself. Now, it just so happens that a lot of the Quarantine Act is subdelegated by way of regulations to be established at the time or orders in council or the like. N nothing in the Quarantine Act authorizes the compelled quarantine of healthy individuals, healthy individuals who tested negative simply because of unrelated medical status. Nothing, nothing. You can, you can detain a cargo that you suspect might be infected with vectors. You can order someone who you suspect might be ill to, um, uh, to isolate, depending on the circumstances. You, can, you cannot even compel someone under the Quarantine Act to submit to a test because the tests are invasive and no test under the Quarantine Act can penetrate the human body. I, I happen to know these things because I'm a lawyer and I happen to be mildly interested in the grotesque constitutional abuses coming down from the freest country on earth under the biggest tyrant of a dictator on earth, Justin Trudeau. Could I be asking a few questions about Mila's quarantine? This is, this is six days upon return where we had filled out the form and spoken to everyone we needed to speak to um, crossing the border. Six days later, no news because there was a section in the ArriveCan app talking about exemptions, prior infection, with or without proof of infection. To verify that she's in compliance with application, include a day one and a day eight COVID test. By the way, pay attention to this, because at the beginning of this call, this, this, this person who knows everything is asking me if we've complied with the day one and the day eight COVID test, which you don't have to comply with when you've had a prior infection. And she corrects herself later and says, oh, well, that's why you didn't need the test. She says it right here. Are you complying with the quarantine day one and day eight test? No, because we don't have to, because of an exemption under this ArriveCan app, not that it would make anything more justifiable if there were no exemption. I'll should just take a few All minutes. Right, take a few minutes. Oh, okay. Well, this, this is, by the way, that Can is me. That, she in Canada that is me at my angriest. 
Uh, I confirm that yes, we arrived in Canada Tuesday. This is me at rage okay, levels. Anger. Number hit indicated Vashki is it on vaccinated traveler entering Canada? They know all this because they yeah. have all your information. Yeah. On Hearts beating, um, sweating, enraged. Who do not meet the Canadian definition of fully vaccinated? Who do not meet? Uh, hold on. How do, how do I pause it? What, what do you think the chances are? She's just not. She's reading. You know, I'm just reading from a sheet about how parents are going to be ordered by the government to abuse their children. You're the uh, parent who is not uh, vaccinated, so you are required to be in quarantine for a minimum of 14 days because it's Canada and it's trusting the science. For a minimum of 14 days. Is she under quarantine? Oh, excuse me. In virtue of what is she supposed to be in quarantine for 14 days? Yes. Yeah, no, that's not No, in answer. virtue of what? What? In ver- this was before. Because she's uh, unvaccinated. No, but, but what? Oh, because, that, because, by the, by uh, the way, by the way, why does she have to be in quarantine? Because she's unvaccinated. Let that sink in. Fill in. Be, why do you have to be under uh, involuntary house arrest? Because you're fill in the blank and see how that flies. Tested negative, recent infection, tested negative twice. But because she's unvaccinated, a 12-year-old kid, 14 days of quarantine minimum. It's not my understanding of the law. What do you mean that your understanding? Just of I'm what, provision, what provision of law are you suggesting requires my daughter to be in 14 days of quarantine? Um, she's under the federal. Oh, oh, she's act. under no, the federal. What, she's under the. What the hell does that mean? Because I, I, I sir. know, sir. The I know. I've read the Quarantine Act. Sir, I've, I've studied the Quarantine sir. Act. Okay. What what provision of law? Because she tested negative. We've had COVID uh-huh. within the last 180 days. In, in, uh, a, a, a listed exemption under the under the app at the time. But since she's not a fully vaccinated traveler entering Canada, she's required to be quarantined for. Under what? Listen to the arrogance and the pride in that voice. But because she's unvaccinated, she's there was like pleasure in it because now we have one citizen who gets to govern another citizen. Provision of law. Sir, the international. Oh oh sir, oh! The, quarant- the international what? Where in? Anywhere in this person's notes would there be reference to anything international? Where? Where? I'll tell you something. I find that slip up to be suspicious. The international... Oh, I'm sorry. What the hell are you talking about, Madam Quarantine Officer? Um, Okay, I see Robert's in the background. Uh, Let me just do the standard intros. By the way, uh, I, I held on to that video for a long time. And... I, I'm aware that there may be a disagreement in law as to whether or not my understanding is correct. Uh, when the Arrive Can app has an entire section under the exemption about prior infection, whether or not you have a medical note of proof of, 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 of um, infection, proof of positive test, uh, you know, I, I may be wrong, which is why I don't like telling people what to do or purporting to give medical advice. If I'm wrong, I'll argue it. I would not tell anybody else to do anything based on my understanding because if I'm wrong, I don't want to be responsible for that. That's not how you give legal advice. If I'm wrong, I'm wrong. I don't think I'm wrong. Setting all that aside, this is Canada. This is the science in Canada. It is nothing shy of government-sanctioned child abuse. And I, 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 there's a part of me that will judge any parent who does this to their kid. There's a part of me that judges any parent who, who sends their kid off to the room even when they have COVID. When Ethan had COVID, I was eating food out of his mouth so that we could just get it together, get it over with. Uh, I would judge a parent who did something 
relying on these orders, but I'm judging the tyrant himself. I'm, drug- I'm judging from the top down. And um, it's atrocious. It's nothing shy of atrocious. Okay. I have missed a bunch of... I'm, gonna, I'm just going to do this while I do the standard disclaimers. YouTube takes 30% of all Super Chats. If you do not like that, we're simultaneously streaming on Rumble. Rumble takes 20% of their Rumble rants, which is the same thing. <laughs> um, and, uh, you know, you can feel better supporting us on Rumble versus YouTube. If you want to support us, the best place is vivabarnslaw.locals.com. What a week. What a week. Uh, if you're going to get miffed, if I do not bring up your super chat, it's supposed to be for support. It's not a, uh, I cannot promise to bring them all up because I won't. If I do not bring it up and you're going to feel rooked, shilled, grifted, whatever, don't give it. I don't like people feeling bad about supporting or choosing to support. I do my best, but um, I do my best. Viva, you really need to interview Tracy Wilson. Okay. Uh, And that's it. That's why you're the judge and I'm the law talking guy. Yep. We had a big week. Uh, Two days in Vegas. I had two dinners with Barnes. Fantastic stuff. Uh, Freedom Fest was amazing quarantine is for the sick. This is, this is worse than the house arrest. Typically when you're under house arrest, it's because you've done something wrong. House arresting a child, a healthy 12 year old child. It's, it's, Hey, look, I, I, I would trust it to come from none other than Justin Trudeau. Viva, have you, have you, have you said what you are going to be doing in the States? Have you checked out Patrick bed, David, bed, David, bet David, he owns value tainment and lives in Florida. Why didn't you make her read the exemption? Uh, I'll tell you, I don't react well. That's as well as I react when I'm enraged. I was enraged. My heart was, it ruined the day. I remember where we went that day. We went to a bouncy house, a trampoline house. That ruined my day. I could not have fun at that bouncy house. I was enraged. And above all else, I was actually scared because I wasn't sure that they weren't going to come and take my kid off to a quarantine facility. I wasn't sure that the government wasn't going to show up at my front door and take my kid away from me. And I live in Quebec now where the government knows what's best for your kid above and beyond the parent. I was, I, I was actually scared. Above, I don't, I'll pay a $20,000. I'll take the $20,000 fine to the Supreme Court of Canada. Not, maybe not anymore. Uh, but I was scared that they can show up at your door and haul my 12-year-old daughter off to a quarantine facility where in my neurotic head, I was actually saying, I'll go with her. I'll, I'll go with her. And then I could see it escalating. Okay, that's it. Uh, that's the intro. I'm sorry. People, I'm bringing on the barns because we've got a big show again tonight. Robert. Feels like I haven't seen you in 48 hours. How you doing? Good, good. Uh, everyone, let me know if the audio is good, if the audio levels are good. But Robert, while we test the audio, what's behind you and what's in your hand? So uh, that is a book borrowed from Mark Robert. You can follow them in America's Untold Stories uh, the uh, with Eric Hunley or on Locals at unstructured.locals.com where they provide a lot of exclusive content. He was out in Vegas on Friday. Uh, with a Hollywood buddy of his to talk about a particular project and uh, lent me the book General Walker and the uh, murder of President John Fitzgerald Kennedy. Big book, big book, huge book. So the uh, so yeah, the uh, it's a hard to come by book. So the uh, I think his uh, uh, his supporters on PayPal provided the means by which he's able to increase his very large Kennedy assassination library. And uh, so that's what that is. And this is a uh, Hoya de Monterey, uh, special edition cigar. And Robert, we had a good time. It, I, 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 now we've seen each other three times in real life. It, it now, and we're in the same country. It feels like we're 
we're closer than we've ever been. Robert, it was great. Uh, the Freedom Fest was was very interesting. Robert, the 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 origins, the essence of the Freedom Fest. What's it about for those who don't know? Uh, sure. So Freedom Fest is a gathering of sort of uh, libertarians and other inclined organizations and individuals that they've been meeting for a while. I've appeared there a couple of times in the past. I think C-SPAN advertise or broadcast one or a few of them. The uh, so it's uh, that's what it mostly is. It's sort of usually in July, usually the week after July Fourth or thereabouts. And they get together and uh, uh, just have a bunch of speakers and, and commentators and fellow-minded folks get to come together and chat. And uh, I mean, you, the James, it was there. I was there with the James O'Keefe panel. They're, they were sort of talking about it through the lens of what's been going on with James O'Keefe. Uh, the assault on First Amendment by the government, FBI seizing uh, cell phones of journalists, uh, James O'Keefe in particular, Robert, I mean, what's your take on what is going on or being done to Project Veritas, James O'Keefe, journalist rights versus ordinary citizen First Amendment rights, and whether or not there is, uh, whether or not we've, we've, we've crossed, is it crossed the Rubicon? Whether or not we're in a next realm of an assault on journalism. Yeah, it was a good presentation with you, Ron Coleman, and uh, former Chief Judge of the Ninth Circuit, Alex Kaczynski, um, the, uh, who wrote some good opinions. He wrote a bad one in one case I had, but so if if, if I was but if I was going to chat with him, I was going to rag him about that. But the uh, uh, but but very good, very smart, very thoughtful uh, jurist when he was on the Ninth Circuit, kind of got run out on some questionable accusations and resigned a little bit earlier, or uh, than maybe he originally intended. But uh, I think the weaponization of the prosecutorial process is what it uh, reveals, and it's a good uh, bridge to our first uh, favored topic by the locals board tonight, which was the is the Bannon trial that is going to commence on monday but before we get to that uh what was the number one lesson uh, you learned in vegas that was taught by one wesley trent snipes some years ago um oh always bet on black robert <laughs> exactly and was it profitable again i predict i said every time i bet on black on roulette i've always won money i leave when we're up what happened when we were in vegas so i go i i'm not a gambler because i hate losing money let the jokes in the chat commence i hate losing money i feel guilty stupid nauseous i was up 25 dollars before meeting robert we went out for dinner on the way back to my room after a, you know a, a bottle of wine i go to the roulette i lose 75 bucks next day robert and i have dinner and we go to the table together we bet on black three times lost the first won the second won the third and i put a little something down on the square where you get four eight times your money on roulette I'm, I left 75 bucks up, happy as a clam. So it was very good. I thought you meant bring your own suntan lotion to Vegas because I'm still traumatized by that $30 a bottle suntan lotion. But yeah, it worked. Uh, gambling is not a way to make money consistently, though. No, but Wesley Snipes' advice, always bet on black, I think for the movie Passenger 57, uh, has always proven profitable for me. Uh, so it proved profitable for Viva in Vegas. Uh, but now, so let Robert, the Bannon trial starts tomorrow, and I've got this is going to broach into uh, Ray Epps, which we I, I don't know if, if, if you're good to talk about it, but we'll get there in a second. Bannon, okay, lots of questions, whatever you know, I'd, I'd love to pick your brain. He's going to trial now on the contempt of Congress indictments. It's either one or two charges of disobeying a, congress, a congressional subpoena. Has anyone else other than uh, Libby or whatever his name, Gordon Libby? ever been prosecuted or was Gordon Libby the only one convicted of contempt of Congress? Uh, there, there have been more people prosecuted, but in high profile political cases, it's very, very rare. So Eric Holder was 
held in contempt of Congress by Congress. Uh, the Justice Department never prosecuted him. The IRS official, the head of the IRS at the time, who was engaged in massive illicit invasions of privacy for politicized purposes, uh, equally uh, was in contempt of Congress, again, not prosecuted by the Justice Department. Uh, and, you know, the famously that what led to Edward Snowden was uh, the combination of lies, including by Clapper and others, uh, to write to Congress's face. Uh, John Brennan repeatedly lied all the way through his tenure, including all the way back to spying on Congress itself. Again, none of them ever prosecuted. So I don't believe anybody in the Obama administration was ever prosecuted, even though many of them were clearly in contempt of Congress. Uh, often, in my view, what contempt of Congress should be limited to, should be restricted to, is the uh, is really criminal obstruction. In other words, lying to Congress in a material way, uh, you know, forging documents that could impact the legislative process. Uh, the there was nothing that uh, Steve Bannon did that, in my view, could have even possibly impacted the legislative process. And just contrast it to Pfizer's defense and the, the Civil False Claims Act we're bringing on behalf of Brooke Jackson and the American people, where they say that, yeah, maybe we committed material lies to the de uh, Defense Department, but it doesn't matter because they didn't choose to do do anything about it. And so that means that nobody should be able to sue us over it. So you contrast what's really material versus what's really immaterial to their legislative task. They haven't shown that, but they've liberalized and loosened the laws. Congress gets to write these laws in the first place. Uh, and it's why there, there shouldn't be this kind of broad, vague uh, provisions like this to entrap effectively people like Steve Bannon. He was out last week saying it's basically just a show trial. It, 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 uh, in D.C., you cannot get an impartial jury. That's been proven over and over and over and over again now for six years running. Uh, the Bannon trial will be more revelation of that. I don't believe the CNN did a hit piece on him today, right as the jury is being uh, selected tomorrow. And it's, uh, I believe, uh, Joe Nearman, Good Logic, uh, L-A-W-G-I-C on YouTube. And it's, it's found, sounds like logic in parts of Brooklyn and New York, <laughs> uh, which Mark Robert and others could speak to. The is that uh, uh, he's going to be there in person uh, part, uh, covering the case as well as some others. It's a federal trial, so that means it's not televised. The I assume we'll see how many witnesses uh, Bannon's defense is allowed to present. The judge, feeling bound by precedent, uh, has basically gutted all of his defenses so that he's not allowed to say, I did this upon advice of counsel. He's not allowed to say, I did this because my understanding of executive privilege meant it was not a legitimately issued subpoena. Uh, he's not allowed to present his defense that he did not understand it to be a legitimately issued congressional subpoena because this committee was not properly formed under the rules of Congress, which is supposed to be an element of the offense. The judge has voiced criticism of some of that prior precedent and says that, you know, some doubts about it. But effectively, at this point, he's going to trial to show what a show trial looks like in D.C. and going to trial to preserve his appellate remedies on these issues. But it's uh, at this point, as his own lawyer said in court, he doesn't really have any defenses available to him. So the the judges stripped him of it. Apparently, it may be a pretty short trial. It will be was a subpoena issued, was a subpoena responded to. End of story by the by the interpretation of the law uh, as it's currently constructed. And I believe it's misconstructed, uh, but it also shows the problem. The Justice Department, a bunch of political hacks who run the D.C. division, who have politically weaponized the case in a very selective way, as they have all the other January 6th cases. 
as we saw this week in what was a meme, you know, grandma's getting arrested and sent to prison for walking around the Capitol without special permission from Nancy Pelosi. Uh, actually, an elderly woman was sentenced to two months in prison and, for just for doing just that, walking around without permission of Speaker Pelosi. Um, and even though she has cancer, contrast that to the lawyer who deliberately lied and perjured information, obstructed justice, created a false statement to the Foreign Intelligence Sur uh, Surveillance Activities Court in order to illicitly spy on Americans for politicized purposes. One of the worst offenses you can do. He served no time. But an elderly lady who has cancer is sentenced to prison for two months uh, by this uh, Justice Department and by this judicial system in the District of Columbia. Uh, it should be just named the District of Corruption, uh, and and for simply something as a misdemeanor trespass on the Capitol's grounds. We're, we're going to get to the comparison, not just to Kleinsmith in a separate case, but to Ray Epps in this case. But something I don't understand, Robert, the Judge Nichols, a Trump appointee, so nobody can you know, arguably claim political bias, has stripped Bannon of his defense of professional reliance, understanding of the law, uh, the one that I uh, and arguing that the committee itself is not properly formed. Now, th that House Resolution 503, whatever it is that formed the House, said that the committee shall must be comprised of a certain number of, of, of individuals. And it's not. So how how is he not allowed to raise that as an argument? These are arguments that affect mens rea and also actus reus. How is he not allowed to raise them? And do they become issues for an appeal if, you know, to the extent they're properly saved? Uh, there are definitely issues for appeal. The judge found that uh, he did move to dismiss on those grounds and the judge denied it. And so the I disagree with the judge's decision in that regard. Uh, the D.C. judges have uh, almost none of them have shown the ability to be consistently impartial in these cases, even the Trump appointees. Uh, it was a, uh, I believe, a Reagan or maybe Bush appointee that sentenced that old lady to, to prison. So the uh, if you're in the District of Columbia, you're they're just they, they. I've said from the beginning, neither the judges in D.C. nor the juries in D.C. nor the prosecutors in D.C. are capable of being impartial. They're politically motivated. They're politically prejudiced. They feel personally attacked by what they interpret January 6th to be, and consequently, they're unreliable. And, you know, the the fact that, that someone's a Trump appointee doesn't always say a whole lot. It says that maybe, maybe they'll be good, but no guarantee they'll be good. There's a Trump appointee in the Brooke Jackson whistleblower case, uh, and he lectured me about tweeting about the case. So, I mean, that that tells you a lot. I mean, President John Kennedy appointed Curtis LeMay, bombs away LeMay to the Joint Chiefs of Staff early on in his presidency. And many people believe he was complicit in the assassination of President Kennedy. So JFK and Trump shared that in common, making some very uh, dubious appointments along the way. And Trump, the fact that a judge has been a Trump appointee has been no protection for constitutional liberty, sadly, with any degree of consistency. They tend to defer to corporate power. They tend to, I mean, like, they, did they intervene in OSHA? Sure, but that was between big corporations and the government. Um, so they've been good on religious liberty in, in many contexts. But they have not been a consistent voice on a lot of other cases, particularly if it goes up against the Justice Department or goes up against corporate America. They sadly have more of a Federalist Society bet, which is their definition of conservatism is country club corporate conservatism. What serves those interests of the privileged few, not those that serve the broader mass, especially and if 
it involves, uh, uh, even if it involves constitutional liberty at stake. So that's uh, that he, the fact that the Trump appointee is no protection for Steve Bannon in this trial. Uh, it'll just be used as the talking point on the other side that that's how that's how obvious this case is. Even a Trump appointee struck, struck or stripped Bannon of defenses in law. So th those could be grounds for an appeal. Fine. The triers of fact, the jury don't opine on questions of law. Another question people are asking, Bannon agreed to testify. He, he purportedly, whatever privilege, executive privilege he thought was bestowed to him, he says has been lifted. He's prepared to testify. Uh, can you explain to those who may not understand why that doesn't relieve him of the charges of contempt of Congress? Because it's uh, so he agreed to testify before the committee and provide evidence to the committee uh, belatedly. And he's not been if they if he had been charged with civil contempt, that would suffice because of civil contempt, you can purge your contempt by compliance. But he's been charged with criminal contempt and criminal contempt is completed at the time that you don't pr provide the answer or the information. And so you can't cure it. Uh, criminal contempt is not subject to curation. And so that's why uh, that didn't really achieve anything. It's not clear if his lawyers gave some bad advice along the way. Uh, uh, Bannon has chosen to often go with your corporate white shoe counsel types. I've always considered that generally a mistake in politically motivated cases. Um, and because it, it doesn't appear they got clear communication from Trump, Team Trump, to assert executive privilege as a basis to resist the subpoena. It appears that uh, that certain information may have been given to Bannon that was incorrect. We don't know, but unfortunately, none of that is a defense to his criminal contempt charge directly. Um, okay. And now, I mean, like, I, I don't want to be pessimistic. In my mind, Bannon's going to jail for this. There's like, even though, even though there's a one month minimum for the charge, a one year maximum, there's a small fine or a big fine. A grandma, like people need to appreciate this. We're going to dovetail this into the Ray Epps, but uh, an elderly grandmother woman is going to jail for two months for her role in January 6th. They're going to unleash the, the fury on Bannon. Question, Robert? I mean, you know Bannon better than me, certainly, but better than most. Is this? Does he want to go to jail to make a point? Was this part of proving how corrupt the system is, or did he just get caught uh, biting off more than he can chew or gambling more than he could lose? I don't know. Uh, to be honest with you, I don't know uh, what his objective has been throughout this. It's not been crystal clear. So the, uh, uh, I mean, I think this judge wouldn't issue a high sentence. I mean, from a sentencing guidelines perspective, the, the statutory minimum is the only thing that would make sense. Um, I think normally it'd be a probationary offense. So if, if there's a one month, one month statutory minimum, that would be all that would likely be given. Um, the, and then he could grant bail pending appeal so that there's no imminent risk of imprisonment with this judge. Uh, I don't think that this judge is likely to issue uh, a sentence that he doesn't grant bail for. Uh, and then he's looking at several years, and most likely it's uh, uh, before the Supreme Court and all of his rights and remedies and relief has been uh, exhausted, uh, likely there's a new president in January 2025. And if it's uh, Donald John Trump, uh, whose ex-wife and the mother of his uh, three uh, three of his uh, five children passed away sadly this uh, this past week. Uh, if it's Trump that's in the White House, then uh, uh, Bannon will be pardoned once again in all likelihood because Trump has said that January 6th has become such a joke of justice 
that he intends to pardon everybody uh, connected to it uh, that has been political because it's been such an overt, open uh, political weaponization of the process, which is revealed by the cover story that the New York Times was writing this week for one Ray Epps. I was the only one really on tape admitting criminal conspiratorial behavior the night before and magically and miraculously is the only one not being prosecuted by the Justice Department for January 6th. Let me see if I can bring this article up while I do it. Uh, This week, Robert Govea, Good Logic, myself will be covering Bannon. Uh, Good Logic is the only one going to be down in Washington for the trial. Robert Govea is going to get the transcripts and do the night stuff. And we're probably all going to be uh, inter-collabing, I guess, at some point. So stay tuned. And I'm going to be doing some exclusive commentary analysis for the post-millennial. So stay tuned for that as well. But Robert, Ray Epps, man, it's, um, let me just get New York, New York Times. The, the, the newspaper outlet that got it wrong and lied to you about the Ukrainian famine, Stalin, Hitler, Hiroshima, uh, Cuba, yeah, what else? The, 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 the first intifada, Brian Sicknick, the, the, the outlet that got it wrong and I dare say, in fact, lied to you on all of those is telling you the truth now on Ray Epps. They ran, it's not a fluff piece. It's like a, it's like a, it's a massage piece. It's, it's the most biggest piece of, of partisan propagandist garbage. Ray Epps is the victim of the Trump crap because he was just duped into supporting Trump. And now he's being used as the scapegoat. For anybody who doesn't know who Ray Epps is, I can't read it without a paywall. I'll get there. Ray Epps is the guy who was seen on camera the day before the protest saying, we got to go to the Capitol. We got to go in the Capitol. And you hear the crowd start calling him names, calling him fed, fed, fed. The day of, he's there directing people down to the Capitol. He was on the FBI's most wanted list in the first days of this and then mysteriously removed. And according to the article, the reason why he was removed from the FBI's wanted list is because he called them up and collaborated, cooperated with them, much like Brandon Strzok, who ended up in jail for a couple of days, house arrest and whatever. He's now allegedly the victim of the right, whereas everyone on the right has been brutalized by the system, brutalized by the Department of Justice. This guy who was not brutalized by the system or brutalized by the Department of Justice, he's being brutalized by Trump supporters used as a scapegoat. Robert does someone have to be an actual Fed to be a Fed, or do you call assets Feds as well? Sure. I mean, I consider informants, infiltrators, uh, all of those people, what they call confidential human sources in their internal language, uh, all the same. So, I mean, the, the just because someone doesn't have any official paycheck or an official position doesn't change their role in instigation of an event when they're informants and infiltrators and have a special uh, role in relationship with uh, the federal uh, law enforcement branches, which is uh, pervasive throughout. As you know, Gateway Pundit had a couple of exclusives this past week, uh, in the past two weeks, about the scale and scope of which they were planning this event with inside the government in certain parts, and that uh, the number of informants even exceeds what anyone believes or fully knows. And that's uh, that's why it's it's taking the direction that it is. But unfortunately, the courts have not been vigorous at enforcing venue transfer requests, at enforcing meaningful jury selection, at enforcing dismissal for government misconduct grounds, at meaningfully limiting the congressional obstruction statutes, uh, or providing the scope of discovery necessary to expose government misconduct 
or or punishing any government misconduct that is documented or detailed. So that's why these cases, despite the scale of misconduct and malfeasance that's been taking place and has been increasingly detailed and documented by both lawyers and independent journalists like Julie Kelly, who we will be interviewing this week uh, on Wednesday on Sidebar, uh, has covered this for American greatness and has probably been, along with Darren Beatty, who we've already interviewed, uh, been one of the primary people covering the scandal that is the January 6th uh, weaponized, politicized prosecutions. If anybody does not already follow Julie Kelly, she is my, not my go-to, she's the essential where I get uh, bombarded with January 6th news. Amazing. And and stub- stubbornly clinging, stubbornly continuing to focus on this. It's It's an injustice. I don't care what anybody thinks, how bad the protest was, how bad the riot was. It's an outright political witch hunt of an injustice that's being carried out in real time. Uh, Robert, I'm, I'm going to share this just so we can just go through some of the highlights. Just fluff piece is not the word. It's, it's, it's political jackoffery is what it is. This is the article. A Trump backer's downfall as the target of a January 6th conspiracy theory. They lied about Hitler. They lied about Stalin. They lied about Hiroshima. They covered, they worked with CIA to put out incorrect information about the negative effects of the fallout literal of the 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 atomic bomb but trust them now ray epps became the unwitting face of an attempt by pro-trump forces to promote the baseless idea that the fbi was behind the attack on the capitol And, and notice the mischaracterization there so what is the idea that's baseless it's something that people haven't actually said no one said the fbi was behind the attack on the Capitol. They've said the FBI had informants and infiltrators and instigators to make certain behavior more likely to occur. Not that it was solely and wholly an FBI event. So they create, that's called a straw man. You create a fake version of your opponent's argument. You say, that's baseless. Trying to infer anything associated or affiliated with the argument is. This is what journalists do. They're just liars. They're pathological propagandists. And the New York Times is one of the worst offenders. This was, again, the main publication that pushed the lie about weapons of mass destruction that got us into the Iraq war. Just as one of their most recent examples of the big lie told so often by the New York Times. I want to get to the one part, which is. um, Oh, listen to this, by the way, this is. Ah, uh, this is shocking. Oh, yeah. Yeah, it is. Mr. Epps further acknowledged that while he moved past barricades into a restricted area of the Capitol grounds, he did not go into the building itself. The vast majority of those who did not enter the building or commit additional crimes have not been charged. This is, by the way, admission of a, of a crime. This is admission of a crime that is, if not more serious, at the very least, as serious as a well, number especially if you read the last part of the paragraph above <laughs> they they admit that i mean they bury in the story why the un- baseless conspiracy theory is neither baseless nor just a theory it's mr epps admitted he sent to his nephew text where he discussed how he helped to orchestrate the movement of people who were leaving trump's speech near the white house by pointing them in the direction of the capitol as he was the night before demanding they go into the capitol now, the mistake he made is he made that speech with a bunch of Alex Jones fans around, and they spotted him right away. They're like, you're a Fed. You're a, yeah, we know who you are, pal. Go go find a different audience. And he did. 
The next day, he found a different audience to get them in that direction, admitted it in writing, admitted it he breached the Capitol grounds, admitted he committed the same trespass almost all these other people are being prosecuted for. And it's the New York Times running cover because they're the favorite paper of the CIA spooks, the deep state operators, and the corrupt hacks in the FBI. By the way, Brandon Strzok did less than this. Brandon Strzok never entered a building. He was on an, a restricted grounds, never entered the building. Nor did Owen Troyer. No, Owen Schroer never entered the building. But by the way, Robert, listen to this. By the time the violence started spreading, Mr. Epps had already left the Capitol, having helped to get a sick protester to see. Yeah, right, what right. He, he, that's his pretext for after having pulled off the instigation and helped effectuate it, he got out of Dodge so that uh, he couldn't get personally uh, in the middle of it. It, it. The article is nauseating. And in fact, the way it reads is it tells you everything. That's it tells you everything in there, but it's like it, it it frames it in a way that is well. Any doubt that Ray Epps was an informant and instigator for deep state operators to help create the conditions of January sixth was put to rest when the New York Times is running cover stories for him. And they they recognize and admit everything. It's exactly like the Time article on how they fortified the election. They admit to everything. A secret cabal controlling the media, influencing, infiltrating politicians, changing the laws. They admit to it, but they just make, they tell it to you in a way that makes you feel good about believing the lie. People who want to believe that Ray Epps, I, he's not a Fed. I presume if he were a Fed, we would know by now. Oh say, yeah, most of the, he's not- most of the, most of these kind of gray space operators, you know, that will be talked about in the book. Like Walker was no longer an active general, a military official at the time he was helping conspire to kill the president of the United States. Now he had a lot of ties and connections to those folks, but the gray space operators rarely have a badge. It's a, because they don't want those people to be caught in the middle of it. They use informants and instigators and infiltrators for that just like the Whitmer case unveiled on, on, on a major scale. And the so it's the same style of operation. And folks, it's election fornication. That's what <laughs> took place. And, and but to, to say, I want to know if he was on a payroll. I, I doubt he was a Fed. I guarantee, I bet money, sooner bet on this than bet on black. He was a paid informant at the very least. Because by the way, look at this right here. That trailer behind him, this is the, you know, the, the He's a nice, look how sweet old man he is. He, he, he can't send him to jail. He's, he's too old. That, but the that, cancer patient, the elderly lady cancer patient who did nothing any different really meaningfully than him is going to prison. Uh, so someone will say she entered the building. So meaningfully different. Maybe she committed additional crimes. I just want to highlight that tra- trailer behind him. And I now know from experience, that's not a cheap trailer. That's at least 150,000 bucks, if not more. Those trailers are expensive. This guy's got a fancy trailer. He's sold his, he sold his house. He's pocketed all this cash. He's got his nice trailer and he's hiding because of Trump. Not because, uh, you know, he may or may not have been a paid informant or a paid agitator and quite clearly was cooperating with the FBI and has been handsomely uh, forgiven for it because at the very least, he's not going to jail. And at the very worst, he was there setting it up so that people would go to jail. Okay, so Bannon goes to trial. Uh, January 6th committee hearings is a, is, a, is a kangaroo court, political witch hunt. I think we all knew that. Uh, Robert, um, segue into something uh, else. The next uh, big, uh, the other big news this week, of course, was the fight between Elon Musk and Twitter. Uh, speaking of politically motivated uh, cases in part. So the, the media has tried to spin the case. Twitter filed suit demanding that Elon Musk 
now demanding that he buy it. All the media originally didn't want him to buy it. Now they're demanding he buy it <laughs> because uh, it, 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 which tells you something. If Twitter really has all this value, like one of the Saudi royals who has got monetary ties to and stocks in Twitter claimed, uh, why are they uh, wanting to force Musk to buy it? It's kind of an admission that it's way overvalued, that they sold it to him at an inflated price, and that a uh, and their basis for it is, well, he waived due diligence. And this has been a broad misunderstanding by some of the so-called legal experts out there, which is that uh, typically in a merger and acquisition, you do a you have a due diligence period before there's closing. So you, you go through like, it depends, sometimes 90 days, sometimes six months, it varies. A lot of corporate law firms make a lot of money off this. The, uh, and they pour through all the documents and information before agreeing to close. The uh, Musk waived the due diligence. So people thought, oh, that means he doesn't have any claims. But that's not what happened. So when Musk filed his response, and he always said from the get-go, the devil will be in the details. I was on with uh, Allison Morrow, as you were describing, yeah. uh, you're, you're fleeing, uh, fleeing the uh, fleeing Kamida. It was, it was, it was one of the, I mean, one of the, it was an amazingly performing stream for Allison, which is fantastic. Allison Morrow is also on Locals, Robert. What's her, yes, what's her Allison Morrow.locals.com. One L. Yeah, one L. Uh, like Ali, like Muhammad Ali. Like she's the son of Muhammad Ali, Ali San. Uh, uh, Morrow uh, at .locals.com. So <laughs> the, uh, the, uh, but what Musk did is Musk changed the negotiation terms. So he's like, I'll waive due diligence. However, you're going to agree that certain information is accurate and you're going to covenant to provide information as part of it. So all he did is really kind of recodify due diligence in a different way within the mergers and acquisitions agreement. And you're going to say every statement you've ever made to the SEC is absolutely true, particularly as to issues concerning bots as, as a condition, precondition of the mergers and acquisition agreement. And you're going to uh, provide an information covenant that you're going to give me anything I need that reasonably relates to this sale as before we do closing. And closing itself doesn't have to be financed until April of next year. Twitter was pretending that the closing date was October. In fact, the financing date's the real closing date with an agreement to stay, uh, stay the closing date pending litigation. So Twitter comes in and they demand an immediate suit. <clears throat> they demand an immediate trial. They demand a trial within two months. They don't want a lot of discovery to take place. And they're really trying to re-script the narrative. They don't want the narrative out there to be they have a huge bot problem. Instead, they want the narrative to be all about Elon Musk. Elon Musk ran Twitter's stock has gone down. Musk uh, doesn't have the same financing he did when he originally did this deal. And he's just trying to weasel out of the deal because, uh, because of this. And he also can't assert our breach of any covenant because he breached his own covenants by public statements. And that's their claim. <clears throat> his response is, the whole thing was always about make purging Twitter of its bots, that the uh, they made explicit promises that those statements were true. And when he started asking for information, he discovered they don't have a meaningful way of measuring bots. This idiot G, G. Elliot Morris is one of these fake pollster analysis. Uh, and I say fake because he's terrible at it. Uh, predicted, you know, he's predicted a bunch of stuff wrong. All he does is get stuff wrong. You could follow him to know what side to bet against. You know, that he, He's like Nate Silver. Whichever side Nate's on, bet the other way. You'll probably make more money over time, whether sports or politics. Um, the you know the better, better uh, polling analyst is always Richard Barris at People's Pundit Daily 
uh, who's been the most accurate pollster six, eight, uh, six years running. So the if you look at uh, uh, what you dig into it and the, the meat of the suit, I think Musk has a stronger claim. His claim is we shouldn't go to trial in, in October. We should go to trial in February. That's before the drop dead closing financing date of April. Number one. Number two, this is a discovery intensive case because we want to figure out what's happening because it turned out that Twitter's only way of measuring bots was to have somebody look at 100 accounts a day. And that was it. There was no sophistication to it whatsoever. No statistical sampling of any substance. No AI algorithmic. And they have tons of algorithms at Twitter, but they don't have any for measuring bots. Don't have any for measuring spam. And there's really only one reason that would be. And it's probably the real reason Twitter sued because they're littered with bots and spam. Because the whole value of Twitter is based on their real-time individual users. And if a lot of their, because that's how they sell their advertising. If it turns out 20%, 25%, maybe even half in some cases are bots or not real individual human beings, then their value di- just disappears. This is a problem for big tech across the board because they've likely been lying in their advertising model on Facebook, on YouTube, on through Google about how many eyeballs are actually reading the advertisement because they're saying that every they want the bot accounts because the bot accounts get to inflate their advertising dollars. And that's why Twitter, uh, when Musk found out, they don't care about the bot problem because the bot problem isn't a problem for Twitter because Twitter makes money off of all their bots. It's exposing the fact that their bots is a problem for Twitter. And Musk is demanding that be the deep dive. He also made a good argument. He says, look, they're claiming uh, that uh, I did a bunch of breaches. Well, that's a whole new ground of discovery. We're not going to be able to get that in six weeks. So by their own claims, we need a trial in February. And what he wants is he wants a deep dive into what the scale and scope of the bot problem is at Twitter, expert testimony, analytics, et cetera, because Twitter clearly has a big bot problem. And it could mean the end of Twitter uh, financially as, as a valuable stock uh, in the same way that Facebook suit that they face for lying to advertisers about how many eyeballs were on those accounts. They knew a bunch of them were fake accounts, spam accounts, bot accounts. Uh, that's what the case is really about. I think Musk will Musk should win the uh, when the trial date takes place. And that will be a sign that he's on pace to prevail ultimately. So all the predictions of doom and gloom for Musk, I don't see this judge based on these set of facts ordering a quick trial. And I don't see this. There's always a chance of it. If that's the case, the judge is in the bag for Twitter. But uh, I think usually Delaware Chancery Court judges value their perception of independence and business more than their political affiliations, because that's why so many businesses register in Delaware in part, reliability of the independence and impartiality of the Chancery Courts in Delaware. And again, Musk has a history of winning, just winning this earlier this year in a case nobody thought he was going to win. Uh, so I think uh, Musk will ultimately prevail against Twitter. I, I'm I'm calling it too. It's it's to me. It's anybody who thinks he waived the due diligence and is now bound to buy it despite overt misrepresentations and arguably SEC violations. I, I think they don't have a sufficient understanding of the law or due diligence at large. But when we talk about um, bot accounts, and I'm bringing this one out here. This is these are the ones that I, there's there's bot like actual robots. This is corn true out, and they they, they are they're rampant just as robotic responses to any tweet from any, I guess, reasonably sizable account. 
Well, especially you see it like uh, vaccine mandate context, Ukraine context, certain special topics. You'll see 100 peak accounts that are these small, weird names like this that will tweet the exact same yep. message. That'll be yeah, yeah. the exact same message. Like, I don't know if that account is a bot account or not, but bot accounts look like that. Well, account. That, that, that is, there's an Elon Musk bot army. Like they, all that they do is they say, go click on the link and the link is like to a watch or something. But there's that types of bot. Then there's the more substantive discussion as to what should be considered as a bot. I don't, I don't remember what the, the term is. They're monetizable accounts. They're accounts that you treat as legitimate for um, advertising. And there can be legitimate human accounts that have no interest in, 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 in advertising that are not legitimate consumers, but that are there for brigading, pushing politics, pushing narratives. And those, the question is going to be, are those bot accounts or are they regarded as bot accounts? Because I, I get it's, it's more than 5% outright bots. But if you include um, insincere or accounts that are there for spamming and not for actual usage, it's obvious. Uh, Twitter is going to have to uh, prove that um, Elon's refusal is ill-founded based yeah, on the evidence they provided. Because his theory is they, they made a material statement to the SEC that they vouched for uh, in the merger and acquisitions agreement that only 5% were bots based on a sophisticated analytical analysis. It's not true. It appears that at least not the last part, sophisticated an uh, analysis isn't true. So the uh, uh, G. Elliott Morris was pretending that this somehow met the statistical standard. You need to study statistics. It's like, well, buddy, you can't even read a poll. Don't tell me about statistics. The uh, uh, So th this kind of crowd is, uh, I think, has misunderstood what the real issue is. The real issue is bots. Twitter has a bunch of them, probably a lot more than they've admitted, which means they've been lying to the SEC, which means they committed a false statement of fact in the mergers and acquisition that's grounds for him terminating the deal or renegotiating it to much more favorable, friendly terms. And if I'm not mistaken, if I'm not, you know, uh, looking for fights, Grounds for class action lawsuits by, on the one hand... Uh, oh, yeah. The users. SEC cases are coming. The SEC class actions are coming because they made... It's clearly a material statement what percentage of bots they had. And the fact they failed to disclose that their methodology couldn't adequately and accurately even determine that in the first place is arguably by itself a materially, materially false statement. Uh, and that's a material adverse event for the value of Twitter without question. People are acting like that's a hard threshold to meet. Not in this case, it isn't. Uh, Winston Shittenhouse. You know, the funny thing is Winston has a, a disorder where his testicles never descended. And I was just thinking about that today, whether or not we would even want, we want to breed a blind dog with undescended testicles. Uh, not, not happening. Nobody's being put out to stud. Robert, hold on. Someone had asked, someone had asked what I'm drinking. It's not vodka. Death's door. I won't lie. I was taken by the name of the gin. It's delicious. Um, apparently it's from Wisconsin. The liquor stores oh, in America—they they, they drink like crazy. Oh, the, the, the liquor stores in America have so much selection. I've never in Canada, in the country that's not a communist fascist heckhole. Um, your selection is so limited by the government stores. It's like here, I don't, I don't even know what to pick anymore. Um, so that's what's in the glass. But I don't—I'm not promoting that. It's you know, people under forty. If you read the news, shouldn't be drinking alcohol. So, yeah. um, now, now speaking of public health mm -hmm. uh the uh couple of news in the vaccine mandate context first a big big win for members of the air force uh the uh, a judge in ohio certified them as a class action all members of the air force that have asserted religious uh, uh exemptions or accommodation objections 
which they're entitled to uh, be enforced under the Religious Freedom and Restoration Act, and enjoin the Air Force from punishing or disciplining any member of the Air Force based on that. So it was a very big win for the Air Force that followed up a win previously in the year for Navy SEALs, and then I think a coming win in Florida for all other members of the military. So the I, uh, ultimately, the members of the military that had a religious accommodation, I believe, have asserted all the way through, will prevail in their Religious Freedom and Restoration Act claims uh, against any vaccine mandate or, discipline, or disciplinary action associated or affiliated therewith. Now, the, uh, the other uh, news in that capacity was the New York City firemen who brought a broad suit against the vaccine mandate there in New York. And I know that there are New York City firefighters uh, looking at filing suit uh, uh, for injuries caused by the vaccine. So the uh, in, in particular, there, there's some I was talking to them when I was up in New York, uh, met with some New York City firemen about this. And, you know, they're they're old school guys. The, uh, uh, you know, politically come from all across the spectrum. And uh, they, they were like, you know, they keep telling us this was informed consent. We weren't informed of nothing. This wasn't informed consent. And so the uh, and, and, and apparently there was a guy, a, a fireman who survived 9-11 who had health consequences from 9-11 that the government also lied about back then. People forget about that. They lied to a lot of first responders, nurses, policemen, firemen, about what, what happened in 9-11, the toxicity uh, of some of the things that they experienced there. So they had to fight for their rights then. And apparently some of them took the vaccine in order to stay employed and now suffered injuries again. And, and now the government is again trying to deny them any relief or any remedy for their injury. So we're looking at uh, people forget workers' compensation laws are only an exclusive remedy for negligence. They are generally not an exclusive remedy for intentional injury. And my view is some of the everybody involved in the New York City level, I think, can be individually sued for mandating or instituting this vaccine mandate and particularly giving misleading health advice about it. Uh, We're looking at who we can sue on behalf of these New York City firemen. Uh, because uh, what took place, the an intentional injury is not subject usually to workers comp uh, as an exemption, as a exclusive means of remedy. You can sue them under regular tort law when it's an intentional injury. And so uh, uh, they're going to be looking at that as well as the injury data continues to show oh. problematic and disturbing trends. Problematic. Robert, we're no medical advice people, no legal advice, although you can construe it as that way sometimes. Listen listen to this. Robert, I know you've seen it. I'm just going to bring it back up just to highlight. Listen to I this, people. I recommend it to everybody instead of saying it's a personal decision. Because at present, we're doing a risk-based approach. What's the risk? The risk, uh, there's always a risk to uh, to having any therapeutic. Therapeutic. To, uh, to having any therapeutic, 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 this therapeutic. Is, this is my remix. Benefit. You want to make sure there's a very strong benefit uh, versus the risk. If we're an 18-year-old healthy individual, the risk, the risk to getting hospitalized, if we have no medical illness, uh, is very, very low. We know there is a risk, a very small risk, one in 5,000 that may get myocarditis, for example. Robert? First of all, setting aside this guy is the reincarnation of Joseph's. Is it Stalin that he looks like? <laughs> it's, it's, it's the reincarnation of Stalin. Robert, setting aside that he's the reincarnation of Stalin, that's Ontario's chief medical advisor, a chief medical officer, acknowledging it's a therapeutic. And there's a very small chance of a side effect known as myocarditis, one in 5,000. Robert, in his, historically speaking, swine flu vaccine, what were considered to be bad safety results? 
back then? What's for a standard vaccine? Oh, much, much lower than that. And the other thing is, you know, the notice what he doesn't give. What's the risk of a young, healthy person, 18 year old who has no underlying medical conditions being hospitalized for COVID? Right. He doesn't he doesn't give that because that's the that's the risk benefit analysis, the individualized stratified analysis that's supposed to take place. Um, and it hasn't taken place by any government authority I'm aware of anywhere in the world, quite frankly. And the CDC, the other news this week is the CDC got caught. Freedom of Information Act request in part brought about by Children's Health Defense that continues to take the lead in all of these cases. Uh, you know, great work to Bobby Kennedy Jr. Uh, and again, I recommend his book on uh, on Anthony Fauci, uh, the real Anthony Fauci, um, is that uh, the FOIA information showed that CDC, as we suspected, CDC recognized, they said, oh, man, people are pointing out that this drug really doesn't meet our own definition of a vaccine and that that, that will hurt the drug. So we better just change the definition of the word vaccine, not, hey, it doesn't really meet the definition of a vaccine. So just admit and acknowledge that. No, no. Change the definition of a vaccine. It's like Alice in Wonderland where Humpty Dumpty says a word is what I say it is. Uh, and that's what they did. They changed they did, their own emails proved. They deliberately changed the definition of vaccine, not based on any legitimate medical redefinition of vaccine, not based on any legitimate legal redefinition of vaccine, but because they were being exposed that their own drug, COVID-19 drug, did not meet the legal definition of or medical or CDC definition of a vaccine. That is, of course, part of our suit pending before the Western District of Texas against the Food and Drug Administration. Uh, But further proof of it, further evidence of it came out this week. By the way, the chat has rightly corrected me. I meant Lenin and not Stalin. It's Google image. It's stunning. You overlay the images. It's reincarnation. Yeah, and just yeah. like Trudeau looks like Castro. <laughs> yeah, well, that, that might have just been procreation. <laughs> oh, oh, that's, it's been recommended by the VivaBarnesLaw.Locals.com board that a future hush-hush should be a Viva done hush-hush on the real history of the Trudeau family. And who I, is Justin's poppy? I can, I can, I can not promise to do that. I can contemplate that undertaking. Um, what was the thing I was just about to say? No, but Robert... They're now just subtly, like they've always been saying it, are now admitting it's a therapeutic. Whereas once upon a time, anybody who questioned whether or not it was a vaccine, yeeted. Uh, one in 5,000 is exceedingly high. for they, And that's just now. That's just the documented cases, not the cases that have been suppressed, not the cases of people who don't know that they, that they have experienced it, not the, people of, not the cases of people who will find out later. Because you can get myocarditis and not know it. You cannot know it for years. I mean, the real problem is it's the the long tail risk. We still don't know. As again, in their internal documentation, they admit. They admit they have no idea. This is the fastest rushed vaccine to market in American history. Number one. Number two, the least clinically tested vaccine in American medical history. And three, the only mass medical experimented drug of this kind in American medical history. So uh, we're probably going to find out. I mean, I know people who are experiencing uh, I, the ratio of people that I know who took the vaccine, who have had side effects that doctors identify as side effects as this vaccine is at a ratio of 10 percent or higher. And, you know, Richard Barris's polling showed almost 5 percent out of the gate. So the of severe disabling medical conditions, uh, life threatening medical conditions. And so the uh, 
that it, it doesn't surprise me terribly that uh, this this date is going to continue to get worse before it gets better. I, I I try not to share my anecdotal evidence, my anecdotal experience. I that's been my experience as well. I, I've known exponentially more people who have had serious issues from one thing more than the other. But Robert, I was just trying to find the soundbite when Obama said. Uh, what we've effectively done is, uh, ex- you know, effectively tested on bill. What did he say? He said, uh, we had te- we've, we, we've live tested it on billions. Well, <laughs> check this out. I went back to the tweet and, uh, the tweet was deleted by the author. Oh yeah, of course it was. And now I have to go find the original, uh, the original video. Well, we've effectively experimented. We've effectively tested on billions of people. Oh, it, it's, it, this is shocking. I didn't realize they he deleted the tweet. Well done. When you uh, say the quiet part out loud, uh, go ahead and delete it afterwards. Well, uh, some of these politicians should learn to talk a little less because the, uh, uh, the, the attacks on uh, the Supreme Court have, uh, are extraordinary. Uh, they're very much a confession through projection context. Like I've told people, if you want to know what's really happening in the Ukraine-Russian conflict, listen to what Ukraine says and assume they're uh, about Russia and assume they're talking about themselves more proof of that because uh, to this question what happens uh when they they do this that's what we're transitioning into right now uh just as in ukraine confession through projection and they're firing military people and security people and law enforcement people because it turns out all of them are dissenting so what they were accusing russia of the massive dissent within their law enforcement intelligence and military is in ukraine um and it will always come out a little bit later but the, uh, the these politicians, what they everything they said about Trump, they have been guilty of, in a weaponization, political weaponization of the prosecutorial process, uh, the uh, uh, the corrupt family members at an extraordinary level, and sex scandals, personal scandals, financial scandals, bribery, extortion, embezzlement kind of activities, as is detailed in every new latest Hunter Biden laptop release or phone release uh, or leak release. Uh, and, and we've seen it in the Uber leaks as well as more examples of that. The Italian government partially collapsing because of some of its policies related to it. But the attacks on the rule of law, there's been no greater attack on the rule of law than what we've seen in response to the Supreme Court's latest three decisions. Their, their decisions on the Second Amendment, their decisions on abortion, their decisions on the power of the administrative state are all going to get tested right away because the you know, state of New York. Now, a bunch of the states, California, everybody's trying to figure out ways to completely ignore the Supreme Court's ruling. So they want to stack SCOTUS. They can't stack SCOTUS. They want to scrap SCOTUS. And in the in their means of scrapping SCOTUS, some have explicitly called for abolishing the Supreme Court. You know, that, that, that shows you where the left is. The law is just a tool, just a means to an end. They don't care about principle at all. Is the, uh, is the effort to now get around and directly confront the Supreme Court's rulings. So the state of New York rushes in, does, some, does a quick legislation without meaningful public participation. And, and the way they fix the problem that, that it, again, it was the state of New York that was overturned for its bad laws relating to gun control. Mm-hmm. So they come in and they replace once their new standard is you have to have good character. Again, the Supreme Court said you can't have a limit on licensing to bear arms. So what do they do? They just change the definition of what the limit is rather than recognizing they couldn't limit this in the first place. And not only do they require good character, they require you to go through an, an inquisition-type process where you have to disclose your family members, your friends, other people who vouch for you. You have to disclose everyone you live with. 
You have to disclose everyone you have relations with. Not only that, you have to disclose all your social media accounts. You have to disclose your whole political history. It's absurd. It, it is. It shows what they've always been about. It was never even about gun control. It was about restricting people's liberties and rights and having the state have not only a monopoly on the means of violence, but a monopoly and control over you. They're, they're, it's a Stasi-style, Soviet-style enforcement mechanism. And then they define sensitive places, despite the Supreme Court saying, look, don't create something that's a substitute for this. Don't create a system that has excessive fines. And don't define sensitive locations as every place in your state. That's pretty much what New York does. They go in and create a worse restriction on the ability to uh, bear arms. They uh, create a, a, a system, a multiple, a training system that's going to be 10 times more expensive than the current one. So it's basically an excessive fine provision. And then they redefine sensitive locations to basically include the whole state. It's if, if there's a government entity nearby, if there's a government finance entity nearby, if there's a health entity nearby, if there's education nearby, if there's children new, nearby, if it, there's a park nearby, basically it's the whole state. You can't bear arms. So it's a patently unconstitutional provision. They have brought a great suit challenging it. And uh, it's clear the courts are going to have to start going Brown v. Board style, holding people in contempt in state governments because they will not obey the U.S. Constitution. When you have the secretary, we have the president of the United States calling for not obeying it, the vice president of the United States calling for not obeying the Supreme Court, the secretary of human health and services saying he's not to not obey the, the Supreme Court. That's that's the and you have governors uh, and legislators saying we're not going to obey the U.S. Supreme Court. We are in a constitutional crisis stage because the left never gave uh, a darn about the Constitution or respect for the rule of law. Uh, what they accused Trump of is what they were always about, which is disrespect for the rule of law and the ends justify the means. This New York law shows what they're really about, basically taking red flag principles and making a precondition for even getting a gun in the first place and a good lawsuit challenging it that should strike down all of these ridiculous but, provisions. But this is the issue, Robert. They just got struck down by the Supreme Court. And so now what do they do? They come in with new regulations and they say, if you don't like it, take us to court. And I think you touched on the remedy, the ultimate remedy. This is a like Sisyphus pushing up a rock. It's like you push it up and it falls back down. They're going to a new regulation. So what is the ultimate sanction to make sure that they don't just come back after every court ruling, striking it down, saying, here's another variation. Let's try this one. What is the sanction? Contempt? It, uh, yeah. Well, ultimately, that's where they have to go. I mean, they're holding Steve Bannon in contempt because he thought executive privilege applied to the provisions to a congressional committee he properly thought was not properly formed. The Whereas these people are flay and they're saying it. They're saying overtly, Supreme Court's gone too far. We're going to ignore them. I mean, they're saying this openly and publicly. So at some point, I mean, right now they, they make the state pay attorney's fees for having to litigate it, have another court Sorry, issue but injunctions. But it's Robert. like Brown v. Board. You ultimately, the only way you really enforce that is you start holding people in contempt. But they pay the legal fees. That's taxpayer dollars. Nobody's paying anything. I mean, other than being politically unpopular, it's not out of their pocket. But hold on. I just want to bring this one up. Lewis S., I'm not trying to put you on blast. Your one in 5,000 stat isn't accurate. You have to be more diligent with your poke sources. I like you guys, but Barnes gets lazy with the poke evidence. I just quoted from the chief medical advisor officer of Ontario who literally said one in 5,000 for myocarditis of young males, I think in particular. So and that's only, again, what's been documented in detail. That's the low end. Chances are it's going to be substantially higher. Uh, no question. And they'll pretend they always said it was higher. So uh, I, you might have missed that part where I actually played the video of Kieran Moore, Kieran what? Kieran Moore, Kieran Moore, chief medical officer of Ontario. So, but Robert, to punish them, 
Contempt is the only meaningful sanction because that affects them personally. Order to pay costs, they pay it with taxpayer dollars, so they might get outed from office the next time. Uh, this is like, uh, it's like whack-a-mole, except it's whack-a-democrat whack politician in terms of them just passing a different variation of the very same regulation that was just struck down by the Supreme Court. Um, what's even more egregious is what's taking place in the abortion context. So also the people have added there there are there is a uh, lawsuit now challenging the national firearms registrate uh, the national uh, the federal uh, gun control laws. There Congress is trying to pass some more limits this week, which is just incredible. The uh, uh, I mean again it's it's an attempt to override the Supreme Court, uh, but there there'll be law, there's lawsuits challenging that. There's going to be more lawsuits. There's lawsuits challenging uh, existing uh, magazine restrictions. All the other restrictions that no longer are constitutional under Supreme Court analysis of that decision, you're going to see a bunch of gun control laws struck down over the next six months to a year. And you're going to see a bunch of politicians writing checks to uh, Second Amendment lawyers all across the country. Then the but the other aspect has, of course, been Roe and the attempts to overturn Roe recommendations to establish abortion clinics on federal parkland, uh, recommendations to establish abortion clinics on floating ships and international waters or federally controlled waters. Uh, and the one that the Biden administration has actually done, which is through the Secretary of Health and Human Services, once again, skipping the notice and comment process, once again, skipping all of the democratic participatory role for the administrative state, is they are misusing an emergency law governing hospitals, not kicking out poor patients, to say that now every hospital in the country has to uh, provide abortion services as an emergency treatment. Now, the, there's many problems with that. It led to Attorney General Paxton filing suit on behalf of the state of Texas, challenging it in Texas, the Northern District of Texas and the Lubbock Division, pointing out all the problems with this. The first one is that, of course, they don't have the authority to do it. <laughs> the Emergency Act, what happened was Congress in the mid-90s, you had hospitals that would play, you know, uh, you know, they would, if somebody was too poor to afford care and wasn't covered by either Medicare or Medicaid, they would kick them out to whatever hospital might cover them. And so you had poor people in emergency rooms having to go from hospital, hospital, hospital. So they passed a law that said, if you get Medicare funding, don't do that anymore. That's all the law stands for. That law is the one that now the Secretary of Health and Human Services, uh, the former uh, corrupt attorney general of the state of California, is now saying, uh, and uh, uh, after that, Senator, the is uh, is that that law means that doctors have to provide abortion and that that and that there this uh, executive officials rule overrides and preempts state law. It's what, by the way, conservative critics always said about Medicare, Medicaid, other aspects of federal care. They said this will be used to co-opt the practice of and profession of medicine to preempt the state's rights to regulate and control the practice of profession in medicine within their state. So he's brought suit. He said, first of all, they don't have the authority to do it because the law never gave it to them. Second, they don't have authority to do it because they didn't go through the APA. It's an arbitrary and capricious action. There was no notice and comment period. They didn't even, they didn't even explain effectively uh, why they did it and how they did it in a way that's APA compliant. Third, violates the 10th Amendment to the United States Constitution which reserves this exclusively to the people. And last but not least, it, uh, two other provisions. It violates the spending clause because what Congress can't do is use its leverage or federal government can't say, hey, we give you some money. So now we get to control your life unless it was part of the original monetary package in the first place. You can't post hoc attach strings to the money. 
You, when you send the money, you can attach strings to it at that time, but you can't attach it later. Uh, Supreme Court's made this clear repeatedly. So it's an excessive use of the spending clause power. And then last but not least, it's it's exactly what the Supreme Court said you couldn't do in the EPA case. You cannot delegate an administrative agency cannot claim it has legislative power on major questions. And this clearly is such a major question when it is that the uh, the law itself didn't give it to you. One, two other ancillary provisions. This executive order actually violates federal law because it violates the Hyde Amendment and violates the Weldon Amendment. The Hyde Amendment said no federal funds can go to support abortion, period. And the Weldon Amendment said you can't discriminate in any way, shape or form in, the, in federal spending based on someone denying access to abortion. So the, uh, the they should Texas should win this case across the board and and uh, uh, kill this uh, latest Biden proposal to try to undermine the Supreme Court's order. And people are using the um, it's not exceedingly rare, actually. It's a one in 50 case of ectopic pregnancy to say they're going to be denied abortions for ectopic pregnancies when it's an important distinction. Termination of an ectopic pregnancy is not even considered an abortion. It's not covered by the abortion ban. It's a medical procedure because ectopic pregnancies, as I now know, exceptions aside, like like rarities aside, are necessarily um, fatal and therefore pose a great risk to the mother with no risk of viability to the ectopic pregnant uh, unborn. So it doesn't even affect that. But they use that as Texas, by the way, like Ohio, has an exception for the life of the mother or severe harm to the mother in terms in in its abortion laws. Just as Ohio did the you know, the we got more information on the 10 year old case. It appears to be a politically staged case because they could have got the uh, they could have got the procedure in Ohio. It turns out that a 27 year old illegally illegal immigrant non-resident, I think it's illegal alien, would be the legal terminology under our federal law. So those people don't like it, take it up with the federal law. That's the legal definition. Um, and uh, was was the rapist. And it appears that they went to Indiana, maybe in part to cover up his complicity, because the doctor misidentified, the abortionist misidentified his age as 17 rather than 27. The whole fact this ever went public at all meant it was a politically staged event, as Tim Poole has identified that everything about this smacks of being a politically staged event. Texas similarly has those exceptions already written in. They're trying to redefine emergency care to mean any abortion, period, is what they're trying to do. And it's a patent attempt to misuse and abuse federal authority to strip a state of its uh, of its constitutionally preserved under the Tenth Amendment rights. So they should win on every single one of the claims, least of all just a single one of them. So hopefully Texas will put an end to this latest attempt to subvert the Supreme Court by the Biden administration. I, I wanted to pull up uh, Biden talking about the extremists. The SCOTUS has been taken over by, uh, what did he say? Out of control judges doing the bidding of extremist elements of the Republican Party. And this is the these are the people accusing others of insurrectionist behavior when they are basically saying we're going to defy the judicial branch and the rulings of the judicial branch. The executive now runs the judicial and they're the ones accusing others of insurrection. Robert, it's 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 nuts, but it's par for the course. Um, Uh, No doubt. One other component. Congress is talking about passing a law federalizing abortion protection. They can't. Two reasons: the the profession and practice of medicine is uh, delegated to the states. It's it, in the and of healthcare in general, so it's not an area they can federalize. 
Um, and that's part one under the 10th Amendment. Secondly, this has been clarified by the Religious Freedom and Restoration Act case. So originally, Congress wanted to overturn the Supreme Court's limiting of the First Amendment's application in the religious context. So they passed the Religious Freedom and Restoration Act. But what did, what did the Supreme Court say? The Supreme Court said you can't apply that to the states. You can apply that to the federal government, but you can't apply it to the states because that's outside of your congressional authority. So it, it, that you cannot congressionally reverse the Supreme Court of the United States in that way. You can only reverse the congressionally reverse the Supreme Court when they're interpreting a statute and then can Im- impose a statute or when they say there's no congressional remedy yet. You can then provide one. What you can't do is overturn their interpretation of the Constitution. Uh, under existing law. So all these people saying they're going to federalize abortion protection, that is not something that can be constitutionally done either. I want to get to one thing in a second. Let me just read two rumble rants. We've got from Hamartix says these vaccines are actually something called a uh, transfection, which I usually did on cultured cells. So this individual sounds like they know what they're talking about, but no medical advice and no legal advice. Federalism. This is from Bulgadari. Federalism was the promise made to the states. No state would have joined the union if they knew they would lose their sovereignty. Speaking of losing their sovereignty, Robert, what do you make of Gavin Newsom parading around the White House like he's trying out a a used vehicle? Yeah, people can go to, I did a detailed uh, discussion with Alexander McCorris of the Duran this past week. And towards the uh, latter part of the discussion, it was about a two-hour discussion, we discussed the various shenanigans people can look at as possibilities for what may be taking place with all the people vying to supplant Joe Biden in the White House on the Democratic side between Kamala Harris, Pete Buttigieg, uh, the uh, or Boot Boot Edge Edge, however you say his name. I have a different pronunciation, but I'll save it from YouTube. The uh, and then uh, uh, or Gavin Newsom, who are all angling to uh, kick the old man out as soon as they possibly can, given his collapsing uh, approval ratings. So the but um, I don't know if he has, you know, the the, they don't have a federal there isn't a constitutional remedy for their objection to the Second Amendment decision for their objection to the. uh, In fact, by the way, the New York case also raises First Amendment objections because you have a right of anonymous speech, you have anonymous political activity, a right of association. uh, And that and clearly what the New York law is trying to do is also violate people's First Amendment rights by conditioning one constitutional right on another first uh, uh if you want your second amendment right you have to forfeit your first amendment right that itself uh con- it's called unconstitutional conditions doctrine is itself unconstitutional you can't con- you can't make condition one on the other um but you know speaking of first amendment claims and other kind of claims a uh, ex porn star sued a went was went to nursing school she didn't publicly obviously go around bragging about her prior history but somebody found out about it and the nursing school uh, didn't like that. They're like, ah, that's not a respectable nurse. Uh, so they decided to discriminate against her. And she sued. And it was an interesting particular uh, aspect of the suit, which is we're seeing this more and more recognized. The more and more courts are recognizing that what a, a, uh, a college promises explicitly uh, as part of its recruitment to get people to campus is itself a, a contract that can be binding against them. And that because they breach that contract, as well as commit other violations in the process, they, uh, uh, they, she, she was awarded a very substantial financial reward of what would have been her nursing career's uh, payoffs. So the, uh, so, so it was a promising and starting to limit these colleges acting uh, in political willy nilly way, ways against what they promised people who rely upon those promises to their detriment. 
uh, to, to see cognizable action. But similarly, I, the, go ahead. I'm, surpri I'm surprised I didn't read that uh, porno actress turned nurse uh, discriminated against. I would have read it thoroughly and maybe done some additional research I, to see exactly I don't what think she, she was one of the people out on Fremont Street. I was trying to get you to take <laughs> photos with Dear God. <laughs> Dear God. Paint people can serve as a bikini. It's, I, I discovered that. In Las um, Vegas. Robert, the, 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 the case that, I, that you sent that I found particularly interesting is the class action lawsuit against Uber. Um, Uber's facing a class action lawsuit because uh, allegedly failing to ensure that their drivers are sufficiently vetted, failing to protect the well-being of their users. And I didn't know this. There were a thousand cases of some form of assault, varying degrees of severity up from the lesser uh, degrees of severity to the severest. A thousand cases in 2020 alone. And I, you know, I, I've, I've only discovered Uber, as you know, Robert, in Vegas. I, I've never had the Uber app on my phone. Uh, and I have these questions. How do they vet the people? How do they make sure that the drivers are good? How do they make sure that the pickups are good? I figured it would be safer than taxi riding. I, I think it's probably safer for the driver, but not necessarily for the user now. Um, a thousand cases of some form of sexual assault in 2020. And what is alleged in the lawsuit, you know more than me, they uh, were not doing background checks. They were not uh, requiring fingerprints. They were basically, for the sake of growth, allowing anyone and anyone, anyone and everyone to drive an Uber, which resulted in some serious problems. Do, do you know more details of the overall context to, to Uber as a business? So it, there's been the Uber files. So a lot of leaked information has been released about how Uber corrupted a lot of governing officials all around the globe, including in Italy, but not limited to there, all over the place. And what Uber set out to do is to pretend that they were an app, that they were not a taxi service. That's why they refused to register as a taxi service. That's why they got into major litigation about whether they had to provide workers' comp or they had to provide employee compensation or whether they could... Uh, treat them as 1099 instead of W-2 employees. So they marketed themselves as, a as better than a taxi, but internally treated themselves as not at all like a taxi. And as part of that process, clearly imposed no meaningful limitations or restrictions in the training and hiring process. So usually when assault cases arise, they're, they're really tough to prove because courts don't like to hold employers responsible for the intentional torts of their employees or their contractors. But over time, they've allowed negligent hiring, negligent retention, negligent, uh, uh, and it can happen in the landlord context, things like that, that there's something, if you did something that could have easily prevented the injury from occurring, they've increasingly held you more responsible for it. And so Uber was clearly, you know, basically if you were a rapist, no better opportunity than become an Uber driver. They should have put that ad up. Uh, because that was effectively how they were functioning. And, and they were putting people with clear documented records of sexual assault in a position to drive and pick up young women without notice of the risk to those young women. Um, and many of them became victims consequently. And so that's what they got exposed for. And, be, and you combine the Uber leaks, the Uber files leaks with uh, this suit kind of following up on that. Uh, you can see that Uber's in some legal trouble because of uh, their pernicious behavior. And someone in the chat rightly said, you know, a thousand assaults in how many, however many rides, but it doesn't really work like that um, because th there, if you can attribute negligence to even the thousand cases in the, mm -hmm. let's say the hundreds of millions of rides, it's yep. a problem. And for them to not be doing sufficient background checks for the sake of growth, 
and allowing anyone. I mean, I, I had the question. I guarantee that Uber is safer for the rider, but more risky for the passenger. A taxi driver, exceptions aside, is not going to do anything. They have a medallion. They've had their cert certification. I mean, they're not going to do anything. Incidents have happened, but taxi companies have long imposed these background check requirements mm -hmm. uh, for the most part. Whereas Uber just didn't because Uber wanted to pretend they Uber didn't want the responsibility. Uber wanted the money. And so that that's why Uber did what they did. And they did this in many contexts. And this is just one of the more egregious ones. And they figured out their way to get approval without meeting the regular standards was just to bribe a lot of people, which is what the Uber files and the Uber leaks uh, fully disclose and divulge. So the uh, now I don't know if it's as bad as getting some uh, toxic Skittles. Okay, I, I didn't get to this one, Robert. Uh, there's all, We always say, like, if you know one in a hundred's bad, if there's one poisoned Skittle in a, in a bag of a hundred, you won't eat the bag. Robert, what the heck? Am I going to have to worry about eating Skittles now? They apparently have titanium <laughs> dioxide in them. And it's already been banned in Europe because apparently titanium dioxide has genotoxicity. By the way, that's one of the things they never even tested the vaccines for. What is genotoxicity? I'm not a scientist, not a doctor. This is not medical advice. This is just old-fashioned information, the best I understand it. Well, it apparently genotoxicity is when something, is my understanding, that can change your DNA or can impact your DNA. So in other words, real problem. In other words, genotoxicity, toxic to your genes. So not a good thing usually. And apparently this, this is in it. Now, guess what Skittles' excuse is? So Skittles facing a class action for having this in it because Skittles is known from the European investigations that this is very dangerous. They shouldn't have it in it. They promised to take it out. They haven't taken it out. Guess what agency they're hiding behind? Uh, FD, not FDA. What's going to say? Um, yes, yes. No, FDA. I'm an idiot. Okay. That's it. Hey, the FDA said it's okay. So, you know, the again, folks, one out of three drugs the FDA approves for public marketing has to later be revoked because of how dangerous it turns out to be. They have the worst track record of any public health agency probably in the history of the world. Robert, titanium dioxide is in sunscreen. What you're going to make me you're going to make me now think I'm right for not wanting to wear sunscreen. Oh, I think that is wise. There's a lot of lawsuits about around a lot of sunscreens actually. Tab and there's a range of people that say don't take uh, sun, uh, sunscreen. So, but the but this is in the you're you're eating this one. You know, so I used to like Skittles I think I'll stay away from, I, I've stayed away from it for some time, but, uh, you know, I, I, I'm not taking anything that's got genotoxicity in it. That just, just I don't think so. Well, you're going to make a persuasive case that's uh, uniquely uh, beneficial you're, somehow. You're going to get railed, Robert, because you smoke cigars and they're going to see there's uh, genotoxicity. This is healthy. George Burns, <laughs> Mark Twain, proven health, proven health. Mm -hmm. Mark Twain had a breakfast cigar, post-breakfast cigar, pre-lunch cigar, post-lunch cigar, early afternoon cigar pre-dinner cigar, post-dinner cigar, and before you go to bed cigar. And uh, George Burns lived almost forever. So I'll, I'll, I'll trust their, uh, their examples. Uh, and I'll say, I'll just pick my vice. My vice might happen to be gin. I know it's not good for you. This, the, whoever just came out and said, the media says no one under 40 should be drinking alcohol. I try not to put everything in the framework of by 2030, you'll own nothing and be happy. They're coming out and telling people under 40 not to drink alcohol at all. Why give idiotic advice when you know no one's going to follow it unless there's an intention of imposing it? Um, but yeah, uh, genotoxicity, uh, titanium dioxide in suntan lotion. And now I'm thinking, 
Uh, I'm never leaving the house again. Okay. Uh, but so, what, 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 you're you got to enjoy the, the dry oh. heat of Vegas? What do yeah, you think that... about the dry heat? How did it compare to the humid heat of Florida? Okay, so I'll tell you this. I, I now love rainfall. I, I walk the dog in the rain. The lightning, I'm, I'm getting used to the lightning. Today, two bolts struck within a kilometer of me. I think I'm getting used to it, but the dry heat in Vegas is beautiful. I love the desert. I don't like sweating through my shirts day in and day out, but... Uh, well, you know, speaking of skincare, Bath and Body Works was also <laughs> sued this week yep. on false advertising claims. What I was following it for was for its doctrine on standing, because that has broader applications in a range of contexts, such as the FDA falsely advertising the COVID-19 vaccines. Um, but it was an interesting suit. They said that you do have the right to sue if the product is substantially similar to a product you have or would purchase in the future. That's enough for declaratory equitable relief and damages. And the allegation is that it was interesting what the excuses they offer. So the uh, basically the allegation is that a bunch of the different Bath and, ba bath and Body Works uh, products lie about the quality of those products. And the allegations are in a range of allegations that I won't get into in terms of the details. But what's interesting is that their defense was, well, one, this is just puffery. And it's amazing what you get away with with puffery. Puffery, I mean, you, you, if you, call, you can call something fast and it's not subject to suit. You, you can you know, say a whole bunch of things that as long as it's puffery, magically uh, vanishes from either defamation or false advertising claims. But they, uh, they, they, they did a good, robust interpretation of standing to allow the suit to move forward uh, for most of the claims. Um, but the other aspect was, in terms of uh, false advertising, was it's interesting how far they go to protect corporations. So corp they say that a corporation cannot be accused even of false advertising unless all of the scientific data agrees that their statement is scientifically false. That'll never happen. If there's a single scientific study out there that says it's good, you can't be sued for false advertising. But that's what they do for big corporations. They have a different standard in a bunch of other contexts when they don't like what natural health people are doing. When they don't like what other people do. So it's an interesting contrast, conflict. No, I, I, you know. I'm always not skeptical. I'm skeptical of claims about false advertising. The burger wasn't as big as it looked in the picture. And I tend to think these are people who oh, are it's like whining. falling down. The movie falling down. I saw a great meme that said, I was a kid. I didn't understand this movie. Now as an adult, I get it. I totally get it. <laughs> Does that hamburger look like that hamburger? That hamburger doesn't look like that hamburger. I got to watch that movie again. By the way, so I, I don't wear antiperspirant. I wear deodorant because it doesn't have that aluminum whatever. Because I noticed whenever I wore antiperspirant, and this is going back 20 years, white shirts would get yellow under the armpit. Uh, they would not when I used deodorant. And then I just happened to put uh, you know two and two together. There's something in antiperspirant that stops your body from perspiring, which can't be good for you. Um, Bed Bath & Beyond. Hold on. I had another thought. There was another thought. I think I flagged it. Hold on. Hold on. Okay. No, that's the one I got. Oh. No, forget it. I forgot now. Damn it. Well, speaking of drugs, the NBA, the women's NBA player, uh, Griner, who got picked up in a Russian airport for having a, uh, a, a bunch of drugs in, on, in her uh, carry-on bag, the, uh, is pled guilty this week in Russia. Uh, likely hoping to get a low sentence. Uh, a lot of people testify very favorably to her character in those proceedings. Uh, and here's the two sort of narratives out there. Her narrative and the West narrative is that this is a politically motivated prosecution. 
uh, that she was arrested after the Ukrainian conflict had begun to have a bargaining chip with the United States uh, and that uh, that's why they prosecuted her in the first place. Um, and and, the, and then on the flip side, the Russian narrative is she was randomly caught in a, a dog testing at the airport and she had a bunch of illegal drugs on her. And the illegal drugs were the kind that added, were sufficiently in volume to equal the smuggling charge. And, uh, and, and I have a mixed, I, have, I think both are partially right. So I'm not buying, like Griner's story is that she accidentally forgot that they were in the bag. It's, it's marijuana vape for anybody who's not yeah. familiar. Yeah, with it. it was a bunch of, bunch of cartridges. So it, was, it wasn't like one reefer. It wasn't, honestly, it didn't seem to be enough just for personal consumption. I'll put it that way. Um, and the kind of people who smuggle drugs into Russia are going to be people like celebrities and other people typically. I and mean, if you're a drug smuggler, that's who you look for. You look for pilots, you look for, uh, you look for airline staff and you look for celebrities famously in the French connection. It was a, a major TV broadcaster, I believe for France and pilots who were doing the smuggling. So the, there's a actually probably will be part of America's untold stories, David Ferry and other stories about how they were connected to smuggling operations while they were air, airline pilots. And that, got some of them fired and then they picked up other occupations, but th that's another story for another day. Uh, another future t-shirt title. The, uh, uh, but so, uh, so I'm not quite buying her story, nor am I buying the Russian story that they truly thought this case was so significant that they had to fully prosecute it rather than come up with a different solution. Um, I think it is a bargaining chip because of people, there have been a good number of Russians that have been particularly the Russia gate era, but even before then, that were targeted by U.S. authorities, probably for political purposes, that are Russian natives uh, or once were Russian natives who are in uh, U.S. prisons. Um, and so that may and this was all happening in the context of the sanctions and the rest. So but she did plead guilty. The assumption is that there's going to be a negotiated return uh, with the United States for some there's going to be some swap. Um, but uh, I, I think both people, both part, sides have a claim. Well, uh, she really did have. Of way too many put it this way if she'd done that in the u.s and it was a the kind of like there's some states that don't really meaningfully care about that and depends on the jurisdiction but we, we've prosecuted people for less over time to give an example uh, i wanted to bring up one chat here I, maybe don't be stupid and smuggle drugs through this is a yeah. thing not in your carry-on bag not that many not have like however many cartridges eat, she had let's just say it was a lot makes it worse well, she had little... been to russia multiple times before played so she would have known the laws I just so, uh, I want to I want to bring this up, Robert, because this is fantastic. now. I think this, a lot of these drug laws are stupid. Just to be out there, true. On the and 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 don't go to countries that don't have habeas corpus as a as a rule of law. Don't go to countries that might imprison you for ten years or thirteen years hard labor for stealing government propaganda from a hotel. D don't go to North Korea. Don't go to countries where you might not get treated the way you think you deserve to get treated if you break the law. But listening to Reverend Al Sharpton, we can't sit by and watch. This person just sit there and in a 99% rate of convictions, face 10 years in jail. We can't and now sit my, by. My, my question is, Al Sharpton, were you talking about January 6th defendants in America or were you talking about Griner in Russia? He was talking about Griner in Russia, but it applies perfectly mutatis mutandis. Yeah, the only the difference is at least a few people have been acquitted in Russia. What is the federal conviction rate? In D.C. Let's, well, I mean, example. for January 6th, the, for the juries, it's been 100 percent. 
there's one judge trial that is acquitted. But for all the juries, it's been 100% conviction. So, and he says we can't. So now, I am critical of the Russian justice system. I think any justice system that has a conviction rate over 85%, just due to the risk of human error, just to the mm -hmm. nature of human decision making, is too high. It's a sign of a system that's corrupt. That the, the juries are not acting independently, the judges are not acting independently, the prosecutors and the police cannot be trusted to be that accurate at that rate. Human history says otherwise. So uh, it, I, I consider that a bad sign. But in the United States, in the in the January sixth cases, it's been a hundred percent. So the uh, in those kind of in politically motivated cases, uh, jury convictions are off the charts. I mean, in the cases I handled in tax cases that were politically contaminated cases. The norm against lawyers not named Barnes is over 90 is or over 95 percent conviction rate. They have about a 50 percent affirmed conviction rate prison rate against me, but against everybody else, they do time. So the uh, it, but it is an interesting it's a good comparison because there is. Oh, how horrible it is. Yeah, that you have a politically motivated prosecution and somebody serving any time in jail with a night. Well, then you should be complaining about January 6th, Al. Yeah, as opposed know, to some ten, of Al's history of who he did promote in the past, ten years in jail is sh for such an for such an inconsequential crime. Isn't the I federal... still like Al better when he was fat? <laughs> I'm gonna. I want to bring up Lewis S, who seems to be insisting on digging his own hole here. Uh, 775 reports of myocarditis or pericarditis, fall receipt of yeah, okay. Doctor Morrisource, <clears throat> you can't believe what a government official says. Who are you believing then? First, you said our sources were bunk. And now the sources are government officials. And you're saying, don't trust government officials. Who do you want to trust, Lewis? You want to trust yourself? Go ahead. Mm -hmm. And by the way, speaking of politically motivated prosecutions, <laughs> the Vault 7 whistleblower okay. was found guilty of everything this week. Uh, he, he represented himself pro se. But it shows that, you know, whistleblowers, uh, that when they're blowing the whistle on government corruption that they don't like, uh, then they they also have an extraordinarily high, sadly, conviction rate. Uh, you got to dumb it down for people who don't know what Vault 7 is, Robert. I know. I just I want you to remind me. Oh, sure. I mean, I mean, Vault 7 was the CIA files that exposed all the bad stuff that the CIA was up to. It was another one of the coins for the Alex Jones was right jar. He has a new there's a new documentary coming out about him called Alex's War and social media. Facebook, Twitter, YouTube, Google is waging war on that movie. They, even though it's an independently made movie, shows every side and all sides of the Alex Jones debate, the uh, social media giants don't want it out there, don't want people seeing the truth about it. They want to see a different version of it. But one of the things Jones had said many years ago was that the CIA was developing and investigating the capacity to use electronic control of automobiles to be able to take over the automobile from a distance and cause crashes. Well, guess what was in Vault 7? exactly the cia trying to do exactly that amongst the many other scandals this was another uh wikileaks disclosure and uh they went after aggressively the whistleblower in new york uh is where again magically always ends up these cases end up in new york somehow dc or new york you know it's just one corrupt you know jerk they're always competing for where they're going to be one or two in the most corrupt jurisdiction in america you know, D.C. is up and then Southern District of New York is up and then D.C. is up. The, and that's where these cases magically end up. And I consider the Northern District of Virginia in national security cases basically D.C. extended. I mean, that's where Langley is. So the, uh, that, that's how this breaks down. So I think he never should have been prosecuted. Uh, I think what he disclosed should have been protected under whistleblower protection laws. He had to disclose it, assuming he did it. 
it's not clear they really prove that effectively. But the reality is jury pools in the Southern District of New York and D.C. have not shown the meaningful, consistent capacity to be fair. Now, recently, in one of the build the wall cases, a juror held out who saw it for what it was and they had a mistrial. But it was only because a conscientious juror was like, this is a bunch of political crap. This case makes no, this isn't a fraud case. This is a political crap case. And luckily, that one conscientious person held out, but the rest were ready to hang him. So these politically motivated prosecutions and politically prejudiced jury pools continue to show the dangers of where our justice system is collapsing into a Soviet Stasi-style system if we don't start meaningfully correcting these, uh, these violations. Okay, actually, before we even get to the Alex Jones stuff, let me do a few chats because I've got a lot. And this one is right. Viva, I had lightning strike over a half a mile for me. It's time to start getting used to freedom units versus metric system. Remember, no country using the metric system made it to the moon. <laughs> okay, well played. Well played. Um, so don't go to Canada or D.C. I, yeah. Well, I, I, If you can I, avoid it. Now, the problem, this is where my argument and hopefully Steve Bannon's trial reinforces this is people at the uh, Republicans need to look at, and particularly the populist wing, needs to look at new laws to strip the District of Columbia of being an independent federal jurisdiction. That shouldn't happen. You cannot have a system where D.C. gets to sit in judgment of D.C. Because you know the, that just will never function. It, we've seen how bad it is. Well, you know, once they couldn't even convict a lawyer of an obvious lie because he was an anti-Trump lawyer, that, that was the end of the credibility of juries in D.C. Steve Bannon's case will just reinforce that one more time. And so it's clear they should strip the District of Columbia of its jurisdictional authority, not have a federal jurisdiction in D.C., period. Uh, you know, whether you make it part of Virginia, Maryland, whatever, some other system, just scrap it because it, it it's jury pull is a joke. Uh, Bolt, oh, oh. I don't I don't know about that H.R. 4350. I have to look into that. And I'll be just- seeing Alex soon. So. Well, uh, now, I, do I, the trial's coming up. I mean, I guess that's – this is it, published. It's two now. weeks away, so we'll probably discuss it more in detail next week. Okay. But, I, I mean, the, the loose the, – the, the, they're not allowing him to defend himself on the merits. They're trying to restrict how well he can even pick a jury. So the, it's, it's the same uh, – you know, I described it as it looks a lot like 19th century Australia. All kangaroos and railroads. That's what the justice system has looked like so far when it comes to Alex Jones. What do you know the etymology to kangaroo court? I presume if anyone does, it has to be you. Actually, I do not. <laughs> I, I I I learned the uh, kuba, uh, b- b- not bakuki. Oh, that's the wrong one. Kabuki, Kabuki theater. That's what I know. Um, I, uh, to Matt Dehart's question, I don't know about the Hulu documentary uh, "Enemies of the State," but I'll take a look at it. Okay, let me just do this here. I say we do an analysis on Trudeau's DNA. Can't do that. Uh, the, I'm not wasted at people. This is your projection because you know, now that I'm, I, I have the same amount every stream cause I measure it cause I'm crazy. Uh, so we'll, we'll talk more about Alex Jones next week cause the trial's coming up. Um, big Tennessee case, uh, critical race theory. And I put it up at our, uh, locals board because it, if you want to understand the, the what's going on, what is critical race theory? How is it infiltrating our schools? What are its origins? How is it being misportrayed into the school system? How is it sneaking into the school system? What it's really trying to do to kids as young as kindergartners. Um, and not only, not only is it ideologically contaminated material, it includes stuff that your, your, your children should never be seeing. You know, your five-year-old should not be having rape lessons in class. You know, th- these are things that shouldn't be there. 
Uh, and yet that is what is part of what this material is. It's meant to indoctrinate. It's meant to convert them into advocates for a particular cause, a cause that is not popular within the broader American people, a, a cause that in this case, critical race theory and its other related doctrines has been banned by the state of Tennessee. And yet it is being taught in counties in Tennessee. So a good lawsuit brought that exposes it, its, its illicit nature. Uh, but it's a good law. If you want to understand it in, in common everyday parlance, that suit, it's a big suit. It's a long suit. I've highlighted sections so you don't have to read the whole thing. You can just skim through the highlights and get the true gist of it. Uh, it is a very good suit, very, very well brought suit uh, in the Chancery Courts there in Tennessee against critical race theory. And Robert, I had on Chanel Fall, uh, an Ontario teacher who was fired, temporary, uh, I guess, suspended, and now being investigated for complaining, criticizing critical race theory. It's ironic. Critical race theory, but if you criticize it, you'll get investigated. But Robert, this is, I'm not going to bring up the audio of Bolton admitting that he's, he's such a freaking genius. You can't be an idiot like Trump and plan a coup. I mean, it takes a genius like Bolton and he's done it. Robert, your thoughts, and if you could give us just some examples where the U.S., might have affected or carried out such coups in the world. Well, there's one right there about General Walker, coup right here in the United States of America. That's probably the most famous coup the deep state ever pulled uh, was the assassination of John Fitzgerald Kennedy. The, uh, but uh, I could go into the litany of coups, but it would be, we would be here for the next 10 hours, sadly. Uh, and the American people are mostly in the dark about this. The, uh, but uh, what Bolton admitted was not only that he bra bragged about planning coups, he did it while he was working for Trump, that he was trying to do a coup in Venezuela. Um, so, you know, it, it, it's uh, disturbing the, the aspects of that. Kangaroo Court comes from Australian penal well, colonies. I could see that. No, but, and then, and then uh, another Pasha Moyer, I believe, said it's not from that. It's from the leaps that the court takes to get to where they want to go. Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah. Okay. I could see that. That would I make sense. I could see okay. that more because I, I would kangaroo courts. I would not attribute only to Australia in birth or in prominence. I mean, they, they, they've ex probably existed since the history of humankind. Now, the uh, I assume uh, have you ever rented a car in the United States? Oh my good God, Robert! Not only did I rent a car, I rented a Hertz car in France, and I ended up suing Hertz because they they gave it to me to the point where it hurts. I rented the Hertz. They said it's in Paris, so you have to bring it back on a full tank. The gas station is nowhere. To, this is pre-Google uh, Maps. Nowhere to be found. I bring it back late because I had to find a gas station. They charge me for an additional entire day, something like thousands of dollars, and then additional penalties. And I said, I'm not paying any of it. And they applied it, and I sued them, and, we, and, and I didn't pay a penny because they're criminals. Reading that lawsuit from Hertz, Robert, give us, give us the lowdown. The uh, so yeah, Hertz has a, had a history of getting people criminally arrested for stolen property based on disputes of the of uh, somebody renting their car. Often a dispute only because Hertz screwed up. Like Hertz didn't realize someone had extended their rental. Hertz didn't re had didn't properly process that someone had actually paid. Things of that nature, and they were getting SWAT. You know, people were getting swatted. People were, you know, were in there in a car with their family, and all of a sudden the SWAT team shows up because supposedly they've stolen a car when they because Hertz screwed up the payment processing. Hertz was trying to dodge all of this by going through bankruptcy after the, the all the lockdown politics that took place. Uh, the bankruptcy court said no; those cases can go forward independently and separately from that. 
And so that, and so now they, those suits are coming back. So all the cases where Hertz misused and abused criminal law to try to enforce a contractual dispute where often Hertz was in the wrong. Marion Holtzman says, welcome to America, Viva. Forget Florida, come to East Tennessee, not as hot. Hashtag Smoky Mountains. Um, Marion, it's good to see you again. Oh, I my really- only advice on renting a car otherwise is that uh, if you're in a car in Europe, if you're driving, do not pass the Maserati. Don't pass the Maserati. I passed the Maserati. Turns out in France, if the ticket is high enough, they immediately suspend your driving privileges. Thankfully, somebody else was with me. I, I they were I couldn't you know they couldn't speak much English. I couldn't speak much French. I was trying to explain I was a lawyer like Robespierre, and they were like, "You don't want to be like Robespierre." You know, <laughs> I was like, "Okay, no, let, let everybody chill." Then they thought somehow I was a I was a John Wayne actor somehow from Hollywood. I, I have no idea. You're like, "Oh yeah, you bang 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 bang." I was like, "No, no, no." And you you know, French cops going bang bang bang. You're like, "Everybody chill." The, uh, but uh, it was all because I passed the Maserati. Well, I'll tell you this: uh, when you rent a car. Don't rent Hertz. They, they, they are terrible. But in that lawsuit, the, they were alleging that people who uh, did, they, they reported the car stolen and then sicked the police on them, where one of the cases, as Robert was saying, was a, a woman in the rental with her kids in the car being arrested at gunpoint. Hertz donut. It, 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 terrible. Um, but hold on. Well, second. it could be worse. You could be on the reality TV show uh, Love is Blind. And it turns out they, uh, I guess they interpreted that show kind of literally because apparently they get people blind drunk to help uh, part- to help uh, their ratings. So the uh, reality TV show has been sued by some of its participants. They said they would like starve them so they didn't have enough food to eat. They got them drunk. Uh, they did all these other things to create fake uh, drama by traumatizing the reality TV participants. So we'll see how uh, that, that, but I thought it was ironic that the, the show was named Love is Blind. Uh, the distinction you mentioned for what counts as a bot is why experts call it non-human traffic. But the real problem isn't the bot behavior. It's the fact that ads being served to fake users, ad fraud is very big money. No oh, yes. question. No doubt about it. Um, the, uh, oh, we, 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 got, we got this one. Sorry. We, we uh, good it. news on the lock, uh, lockdown-related litigation. There was a case that was filed in Wisconsin concerning the prohibition of uh, clerics, uh, ministers, uh, a priest from going to see inmates. And the uh, Wisconsin court struck it down as unconstitutional in violation of First Amendment rights, as well as violating Wisconsin state law. So it's good to see those cases continue to go through the system. Court explained why it wasn't moot, because it was capable of repetition yet evading review and a good reaffirmation of religious rights against uh, lockdown laws that went into force. Um, And there was an interesting, I think, some Seattle politicians during their summer of love accused certain police members of racist murders. Those, uh, even after they had been cleared by local inquest, they have now brought suit, uh, not only in defamation grounds, but because sometimes people forget, defamation is actually a 1983 cognizable claim. So it's actually a violation of recognized rights under uh, Section 90, 1983 of Title 42. And those Seattle officers were able to successfully sue. The case is now moving into the discovery stage. They got past motions to dismiss. So that, too, was a, 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 a promising sign and a reminder to folks out there, not federal officials, but if state officials lie about you, uh, a way you can get remedies through 42 U.S.C. 1983 under the Civil Rights Act. What was the name of the of the uh, council person? I just I just lost it. Um, I, I wasn't familiar with that case. It was two white cops who shot a black individual who they believed had a gun. 
evidence turned up that there was a gun, but it was hidden under some debris in the car. They were charged, but ultimately not uh, prosecuted, or they were cleared? But they were cleared. Ultimately, the inquest cleared them. Okay, they were cleared of wrongdoing. It wasn't a racist And incident. despite that, local city council members continued to accuse them of racist murder. Uh, well, they, they, so this, I, it doesn't matter who the congresswoman was or the person, councilman, I think, councilwoman, whatever. You can find the name. She, call, she basically said it was, it was murder, state-sanctioned murder. Her defense to the motion, or she filed a motion to dismiss saying, when I said it was murder, I wasn't identifying them specifically or sufficiently so it can't stand on its four corners. It was initially granted. The motion to dismiss was initially granted, and then the suit reinstated, correct, correct on appeal? Yes. Yeah, yeah, it was reinstated, and the court uh, established that they can move forward to the uh, discovery stage of the case. So, I mean, and in other news, the more minor news, literally, the minor league players of the Major League Baseball successfully got a big settlement because Major League Baseball had been violating a range of overtime and other laws in the way it treated people in the minors. So that was a, a you know a good remedy for a lot of those guys that anybody that loves you know Field of Dreams and uh, what's the great Bull Durham love Bull Durham particularly uh, I, I've been a minor league baseball fan since I was young the uh, you know can re- you know, the great Engel Stadium in Chattanooga that uh, you no longer hosts the lookout sadly but used to the uh, I grew up there as a kid so the, that was a good seed to see those guys get properly rewarded for a long many decades of underpayment uh, is what was taking place there. Now the, the children have the children have found me, Robert. I don't know how, but they found me. Every time the kids come home, it's like it's like Marty. It's, it's like the Libyans finding Doc. It's like Marty. They found me. I don't know how, but they found me. <laughs> <laughs> um, the, uh, yeah, we only have like uh, really three or four other cases. Uh, crypto cases are proliferating. It's the biggest number one area of expanding corporate litigation. Is crypto cases over two hundred plus class actions filed just last month. Uh, and this relates to, you know, people who are trying to do crypto banks, stable coins, people who are trying to leverage uh, and probably overreached, promised, promised things they probably couldn't deliver on. And there's a range of some big actors that are involved. Some other people are being sued for potential complicity, including Coinbase. So as the fallout continues in the crypto world, what it will most likely do is lead to the, the brave and the strong, if you will, uh, actually being stronger once it's all done and getting rid of some of the fluff and the fraud. Uh, but you're going to see continuous massive uh, litigation in the crypto world because about $2 trillion of value disappeared within a couple of months. And that generally doesn't happen unless somebody wasn't making accurate statements along the way, including allegedly Celsius and some others. And so uh, there's also a crypto bank suing the Federal Reserve on the grounds the Fed didn't properly recognize them. And on the Federal Reserve side of the action, we're likely going to be looking at suit in the fall in the George Gammon Freedom of Information Act because the Fed continues to stonewall rather than produce a single piece of discovery, which usually suggests they're up to something. So the uh, uh, those were the main cases. The Attorney General of Missouri had brought a case against China concerning COVID. That was dismissed on the grounds that under federal law, you can't sue foreign governments unless it's commercial activity or very other limited exceptions. And the court said there wasn't enough exceptions alleged in the China COVID suit. So that's why that has been dismissed for the time being. Uh, They're going to appeal it and try to fight it up. And it turned out, as we kind of predicted, in the Johnny Depp versus Amber Heard case that Amber Heard's people knew all about the fact that a runaway juror had shown up prior to the jury trial, that he wasn't the same person. It was actually a son and a father. The article I'd read had misstated that. But the, uh, the, it was a son with the same name as the father. 
the son showed up and participated in the trial, but he identified his age at the very beginning of the trial. So they knew he was the son, not the father. They were just, and all of her motions were quickly denied, denied, denied. No, no, denied. So they, they, you, you take your chances knowing it, saying maybe it'll work in my favor. And when it doesn't, then you claim, um, oh. then you, you can, complain. Can, can the little guy say vivabarneslaw.locals.com? Oh, dude, hold on a second. Hold on. Robert, what did you, what did you just ask? Oh, can he say Viva Barnes Law dot locals dot com? There you go. <laughs> Robert, one thing that I've been meaning to ask. I took I took my headphones off, so now the kid can hear. Uh, in Vegas, people were asking me about uh, a, a questionable uh, primary oh, or Joey. Local- so there was a governor dispute here in uh, Nevada, a governor's race between uh, Sisolak. The uh, sh- uh, not Sisolak, Sisolak's the current governor, Sisolak is what I like to call him. Uh, sheriff Joe Lombardo, who won the who was the sheriff, by the way, when the Las Vegas shooting happened and all the investigation took place that took place relating to it. Mm-hmm. Uh, Trump was advised to endorse him, so Trump did endorse him, help put him over the top. Uh, I, I preferred as a candidate Joey Gilbert. Joey Gilbert was on the front lines of fighting the lockdowns, on the front lines of fighting vaccine mandates, on the front lines of fighting for adequate public health, including for his own father, uh, who couldn't get certain medical treatments because they were trying to suppress it and deny it. And he came very, very close to winning despite all the institutional opposition to him and his candidacy. And he has filed an election contest. So I haven't read the details of it, so I can't speak to the uh, factual uh, or, or aspects as to how the law will apply to it. I'll have to read and review it. I haven't seen the actual election contest itself. But uh, many states have an election contest process whereby within a certain time frame after the election, it, if you believe there were more questionable ballots than the margin of victory, you have a, you have a right to certain remedies. That can be a recall. That can be a rerunning of the race a range of remedies potentially for state offices, particularly it's not how it was going to apply in the presidential context was always a big question mark, but none of Trump's election contests, particularly the only big one he brought, which was Georgia was ever litigated or adjudicated because the courts played games and played hide the ball on the case, which tells you how much confidence they had in, in their, uh, uh, the, in how, how this was the most secure election ever. Uh, so, uh, but yeah, you know, so Joey Gilbert has brought the challenge. He's, uh, legally entitled to under Nevada law. I don't know enough about the details to know what its uh, p- uh, prospects are. Okay. And, and well, I guess we'll, then maybe we'll talk about it later because there were everyone I met in Vegas, including the the taxi drivers were angry at what happened. And everyone thinks that something uh, foul is afoot. You can gra- grab what you're going to show. Don't no, get the other thing. My kid wants to show the gift that I brought them back from Vegas. The uh, best 30 bucks I've ever spent. Block your ears. This is fossilized dinosaur shit. <laughs> I literally got it at the fossil shop. Look at that. It might be just totally fake, but I like to imagine this coming out of a lizard's butt 65 million years ago. That's get- like those little bottles of Elvis's sweat you could buy at Graceland back in the day. Yeah, but that, that, I, that looks more legit. I mean, uh, water could. All right, Robert, uh, we will. So when's. That, okay, and then I got I got this as a gift from someone which I, I brought down from Canada. Oh. This is a truck made from wood. Oh, yeah, for the trucker convoy. Dude, no one's going to – we can't – I, I want to talk to the truckers. Um, I want to Okay, it's a, it's a kid's voice. Whoever, That's cute. You, whoever said this to me, you know who you are, and it's beautiful. Now, Wednesday night, Julie Kelly, 
I'm going to be going live uh, every day this week covering the Steve Bannon trial and then and then other stuff. Robert, white pill for the people who need it. And then afterwards, we're going to talk after the stream. But white pill, we need Well, it's it. going to be a uh, future T-shirt, actually, which is uh, what I often say is the, 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 most, the, the best white pill is people just go home and look in the mirror. You are the white pill. You are your own white pill, and you are the white pill for the rest of the world. As long as there's good, righteous people trying to develop adequate, accurate information to make a difference in the world, that is the only way the world has ever positively changed is by you helping make it possible in the first place. So you are the best white pill out there. Fantastic. Everyone, push the like button before you go. Leave a comment. Make the chat go crazy. Stick around. Talk amongst yourselves. Robert and I are going to go talk amongst ourselves. See you all tomorrow, Robert. Fantastic stuff as always. And... Everyone, enjoy what's left of the weekend.